Nerds International proudly presents Hello and welcome to the 3T RPG podcast. I'm Harrison Hunt, and with me is Nick Lamley. Howdy, boys and girls. Who put that in? I did. I wanted to see if you would read it. Of course I would. Howdy, boys and girls. This is a podcast all about tabletop RPGs. And I'm thinking it's time for a rebrand. Oh, well, not again. <laughs> Another one. Well, what I was thinking is, because we've because we've been in a podcast for ages, we've seen some decent growth, but why don't we, why don't we say that we're something else, like a... Audio Sonic experience. That's true. We, what, so, 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 so we've elevated. We've elevated. Past podcastery. We could t- tell people that this isn't actually a podcast. It's just a really avant-garde, obscure song that happens to sound exactly like a podcast. Because we got all the frequencies right. But if you weren't actually in tune with these frequencies, all you'd hear is... <laughs> exactly. So some of them do turn out like that, but we have to bin them. We have to bin Yeah, we have to bin We're actually up to our thousandth episode, but we have to cut a load. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, thousands. It's, been di- it's difficult being an experimental musician. <laughs> <laughs> this oh, is God. stupid. Right. Today's show, we've got feedback. we got what you've been saying where we talk about what we've been playing. we got main subject, which is going to be Cypher System mm. by Monty Cook. Yeah, yeah. Not and Monty Don. Not Monty Don and not Monty Hall. <laughs> yeah. And, and then we got What Dat, followed by Jim Bim Salabim, yes. followed by Electro Letters. And if those titles of segments sound weird, they will become clear later on. Yeah, yeah. This, yeah. Is, this is weird. But should we do some feedbacks? Yeah, should we feed, our feed back? that back right now. The feedback side. The feedback side. Yes, bitch. The feedback side. It's the feedback section. Yeah, we take your comments and read them out. Yeah, feedback, bitch. So we usually try to avoid taking positive feedback on everyone. We have got a couple, but uh, I thought I should read them out because they're pretty good. Yeah. But the first one comes in from Conrad Erasmus Neubert, and he's talking about the um, recent controversy of Bobby Evans. So <laughs> we spoke about him on our yearly awards show, and essentially the thing about Bobby Evans is is that he did a Kickstarter where he he won the um, you know the shittest. Kickstarter stretch goal prize this year because for puppets, he, wasn't it? For, for puppets <laughs> to demonstrate Savage Worlds and I said that I, I apologised in advance to say you know if Bobby Evans has got some sort of mental illness then I'm, I'm sorry about that because let's be honest this podcast both stars and is listened to by mentally ill people that's so. true yeah exactly yes and we're allowed to say what we like exactly they're both broken but Con- <laughs> it's fine yeah so Conrad comes in and he says Bobby Evans is definitely not mentally challenged good don't know about that but um, while I also think his vids are not quite on point for most viewers meaning they're a bit too long he did make an honest effort with his kickstarter and that's not true. Disputing that. We, I do believe it was an honest effort. It was just a highly misguided one because I don't think, I don't think you need puppets to demonstrate Uninspired. savage words. Yeah, that's the trouble. It was just weird, man. Like, like he was that. like, look, if we get if we get twenty k, we're gonna we're gonna get some puppets to demonstrate savage worlds. And I'm I was like, like, if we get twenty k, Nick's gonna get a new car. 
Yeah. If we're doing a Kickstarter, <laughs> that's what Savage, we're buying. I'll put a Savage Worlds bumper sticker. Because how that. can I how can I make a Savage Worlds video without a new car? A high performance sport. Because I need it to drive around buying rule books. You see, I've <laughs> <Yeah>, called <of> quickly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, he, I do think his his efforts were honest, and this is probably the last we'll ever say about Bobby Evans. But um, it was just funny because it was such a terrible Kickstarter stretch goal. <laughs> I don't think there was anyone sitting at home that was like. Thank this is a God. serious effort. This is what the world's been waiting for. <laughs> so, you know, other videos on YouTube about Savage Worlds, like the Digital Dungeon Master and stuff like this, but it lacked puppets. <laughs> it lacked the puppet element. Anyway, um, um, we all good fun, right recently, recently we wrapped up our Cybersprawl Classics sort of mini campaign. Yeah. Um, actual play that we did mm-hmm. and we had a lot of praise for that uh, there's a guy who comes in on Reddit who said, whose name is Simply Sharky nice he says love the shows sad to hear it's coming to an end thrilled that I get another episode here cheers guys there's another one that comes in and his name is Comic Book POW and I think it is Comic Book Pal Comic Book Pal but I, I thought of it as Comic Book Prisoner of War <laughs> so we yeah, just did it in the hole with nothing but shit graphics. you novels. stand accused of reading Batman <laughs> The rubbish one. Listen, I ain't saying nothing. <laughs> Torture me all you like. We will. Um, he says, agreed with Sharky. Sad to hear that it's ending. Are you guys considering another setting or system for some future actual plays? Which we believe proves that nobody listens to the end bit <laughs> after the actual actual play is finished. Because, yes, we, we are. We've been telling you for ages yeah, what's with, going on. With using DCC and the new DCC annual to yep. do... Uh, a Wizard seri- Cops. Wizard Cops, yes. yes. And it's going to be like a 70s buddy cop drama. Set in a fantasy world. Set in a fantasy world, yeah. It's going to be great. Gravy Gecko. <laughs> he says, please consider doing an extended stint in the MCC world next. You had a small foray into one of the worlds during your foreign beggar run. We did, and it's already on the Books. We've already to be fair, it. it actually was an MCC though, as American Survivor. It was American, but yeah. I could see why you would might conflate the two and think they're similar. True. Because both do have really weird races, like, and they could be used together. American yeah, Survival can. Guide is a post-apocalyptic setting for DCC, and MCC is obviously the new update, it's like version. Gamma World version. Exactly, yeah. But if you haven't got America Survival Guide, I can get it. It's fantastic. But we are going to do more MCC, aren't we? Totally. At we're, some point, we're still in love with the system, so until... but we just haven't had the chance to bloody play it. No, that's right. <laughs> You were too busy making these great other actual, actual plays. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but that's it for feedback. Mm. So thanks for all the people that gave us compliments on the Cybersprawl Classics. We're going to talk about that next in what you've been saying anyway. Yeah. So let's get into that, shall we? Let's do this. Yeah? What you slaying? We've been playing D&D. Sorry. Yeah, All right. No, not sorry. Not anymore. Sorry, not sorry. I love it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so the way we're doing this is, is the, the, the players, not the players, the characters have come into possession of a disused monster zoo and have a year to repopulate it. Yeah. If they do a good enough job, they get to keep it. Mm-hmm. And we've been using Acquisitions Incorporated, which is kind of a guide for running a business in yeah, D&D. Exactly. Um, and recently, we, we've there's been three episodes, so we'll try and keep the What You've Been Slaying segment down. Condensed. <laughs> Except it's going to be difficult. Yeah, we'll try. But one of the ones I wanted to talk about was recently we had a courtroom drama. Oh, mate. I've heard a lot of people say that D&D 5e can only be used for dungeon crawling, and that's a damn lie. That's bullshit, mate, yeah. Yeah, so um, we did a courtroom drama. Essentially, one of the characters is a cowboy builder. So he, you know, he's a scamming builder type. <laughs> yeah. And during one of our downtime sessions, he offered to fix up this guy's mansion for 10,000 gold pieces. And he... Basically, instead of 
focusing on how well he did the job. He hired a couple of drunks from down the pub <laughs> to be his building man, and then uh, he made a contract, really watertight contract, as far as he knew. As far as he was concerned, yeah. Yeah, because the thing is, he's he's um, he's one of the backgrounds from Acquisitions Incorporated, where he he can roll uh, advantage on roles to deceive people when making forgeries. So he makes forged contracts. He also speaks legalese, That's which it, is a yeah. language profession in Acquisitions Incorporated. Mm-hmm. And as a result, he can write contracts in ways that people can't, literally can't understand. Can't understand them, yeah, and don't know what they're signing up for. And so he, yeah, he wrote up this contract for this rich dude um, named Snidley Ponsington, <laughs> and uh, yeah, essentially did all the building work. And he, as far as he was concerned, he was all right. He actually rolled really low on his contract making that time. Yeah. So the the rich bloke was fooled, but the butler knew he was up to something, <laughs> yeah. and the butler wanted to to take him down. So anyway, the court, the courtroom whole thing was that he was being taken to court for malfeasance uh, yeah. because uh, the butler got injured when the stairs collapsed. That's right, yeah. And essentially what was cool is these guys kind of hired a lawyer. They, we did loads of courtroom scenes where evidence was presented, witnesses came along, the guys got the chance to cross-examine witnesses and yeah. shit like this. And then this was interspersed with parts where they could go and investigate the crime the scene. crime scene, yeah. And... Um, yeah, they found out eventually, long story short, that the butler had actually used dynamite to blow up the stairs and had had unhinged the Sanitized chandelier. The so, the chandelier yeah, yeah. so the chandelier would fall down. Exactly. And, mm. um, yeah, the, the guys were gathering evidence and things like this. So when they first went out, they didn't know what the prosecution's kind of... Uh, like gambit was going to be yeah and what they did is they the guys went out and they investigated things and there were certain bits of evidence that they they couldn't figure out and they they, but like for example the butler was seen coming out of the um the stables with shit all over his house i was going to say shite house yeah (laughs) he was he was seen coming out the shite house with um like horse manure all over over his hands and that was a bit of evidence they saw a blanket over the chandelier there was loads of little weird things and then they were missing screws to the bracket yeah all all of these things and then once they'd heard the prosecution's like like opening gambit the next day they went back to investigate and gather evidence like to combat the things that they had said that's right an interview with anybody that was around yeah and one of the things that Nick's character found was a he dug through the shit in the stables which Mm -hmm. hadn't been cleaned in ages and he found this uh, strip of uh, red paper that had DY written on it. That's and obviously, it. you listener now know that was part of the dynamite. Mm-hmm. And he had hidden it in the horse shit, knowing that the stables weren't getting cleaned recently. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and right at the end, they kind of had to put together their whole thing. They had all this evidence, and they had to kind of present it to the jury as if it was like a story. That's Do you know right, what I mean? yeah, exactly. And then right at the end, the judge, the judge says to these guys, he's like, so I believe everything you're saying. That's a good argument, but... How did he blow up the stairs? And then Nick suddenly gets it. They all realise at the same time. Penny Fuck, drops. that was dynamite. Yeah, Penny drops. It, yeah. made, it was short for dynamite. <laughs> yeah, it was It was really cool. And uh, what what was really fun about writing that particular session, why I wanted to bring this up, was because what I did is I kind of wrote it backwards. Uh, okay, so yeah. I just had like what had actually happened and then the things that you guys could discover, all the evidence was already there in the mansion. Mm-hmm. But the way I kind of wrote it and how the defences would would come back how what they would say things like this you just write it backwards and then you have a story because awesome. it's a mystery yeah that's awesome yeah and I think it worked out really well it was fantastic it was very tense and, oh yeah it was so fun and it was and the way you conducted the courtroom was done really <clears throat> as a courtroom would be so that you know we could interject there was um 
um, you know, oh no, when we was all getting rowdy, there was like... Yeah, because people started getting like really arguing and that what they had to do, the main sort of mechanic for the courtroom was that they had, I had typed out the statements of, of everyone that, that was making statements yeah. and these guys had to find contradictions to That's it. That's it, and we had to cross-examine and it was on us to probe, wasn't it? To yeah, see exactly. To get more information and, it, and how we conducted our cross-examination really kind of... Um, it really meant that, you know, it was on us to get the information. It was there, but you didn't give anything away. So it was, one it was of the on things was on the, on the first day of court was that um, the stable hands testified to seeing... No, no, it wasn't the stable hands. The master of the mansion testified to having his breakfast in the... Um, in the dining hall and he saw something black fly past the window probably a bird or that something it, yeah, like that probably a bird, yeah. and then he also said that as he came out and he heard the chandelier crash that the butler laid his coat across the uh, across the chandelier to help him across and he couldn't have because the butler had actually torn his coat when trying to hide the screws from the yep, chandelier yep. and threw it out the window and that's what the, what, what the bird was that's what the bird was but then the, the contradiction there was that Obviously, he couldn't have put his coat across yeah. the uh, across the chandelier, and actually, well, the team took a photo of a, a blanket being yeah. laid across it, but they missed that part, we, so we, they, you failed it, and it yeah. was like. But ultimately, they did win the court case, and um, the butler went down, and the owner of the mansion didn't know the butler was doing any of this, yeah, so he apologised right. and hired Grant, one of the characters, for more building work. Yep. Yeah, and me. To design, his oh, yes. mate, to design his dungeon. Yeah, Nick went along with him and he was like, look, I know you're a ranger and you're good with this outdoorsy stuff. I need I need a maze, but I want a legendary maze, like really fucking good. And Nick rolled a natural 20 <laughs> on the maze design. Yeah. And so the, it actually made the, uh, the the mansion owner like weep with joy. Oh, when he's, mate, he's it's like, so it's, it's just so beautiful. beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> so yeah, so we're going to kind of figure out some kind of um, deal where we can, um, you know, uh, cross-promote our zoo. Yeah, you can sell tickets uh, to the... and stuff, yeah. And the maze is like, quite deadly yeah. um, and they've titled it The Plume of Horrors <laughs> yeah it's fucking awesome so after that um, we did have an episode because basically these guys hunt, hunted down monsters for their zoo that was kind of an aside but we, we had one where these guys had to go and capture a land shark that had been terrorising oh, a so hotel do you know what them three episodes the three episodes we've just played they just they just outdo each other each time and when you when you don't think it's possible because well, I'm glad you're enjoying one. it man yeah I think D&D is it, it can be very very fun it's, and and I've been trying to find ways to keep it fresh because yeah. we're playing it episodically and you we've know. been playing for, well we I did we was talking about it the other day and um it's actually been quite some time that we've been playing, but it doesn't feel like we've been playing for yeah, all that long. Yeah, because we're up to our about five months now. Aren't we? Well, it's the thirteenth session, so it's about three months. Three months. Three months but and one week. It doesn't feel that long at all. Yeah, and it's been a year of in-game time yeah, almost. Almost. Um, yeah. So yeah, these guys, this hotel up in the Anal Rock Desert, was basically being terrorised by a land shark. It turns out that um, it was actually one of the employees who wasn't getting paid enough. He had this ring, so he didn't have to breathe, and he would hide under the sand where people were sunbathing and uh, he would attack people with a knife blame it on a shark and then he would go and uh, in air quotes get rid of the shark once a year once a year (laughs) and so yeah he was and then his employer would give him a bonus then he could afford a Valentine's Day present for his missus and bingo everybody's happy <laughs> so the, this year though he said he wants it done he, he wants the, the land shark rid of once and for all so yeah. he sends with, along with that guy whose name was um, Yusuf Yusuf yeah. they sent the team along with him to go and get rid of the land shark and they just they're on these little skiffs going out to the desert and suddenly Yusuf's like none of this is real it's me with knife under the sand <laughs> 
<laughs> now we're going to stay out in desert for a few days, watch it all blow over, come back, collect the big money. Done. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's and, and then while they were there, they got attacked by these scavengers oh, who who, who were like who who uh, were going through old desert wreckage and things like this. Yeah. And then. Um, it turns out the land shark was real. Was real, yeah, and deadly. <laughs> yeah, it just happened to not be attacking the hotel, but they do exist in the desert. Yeah, yeah these guys basically failed a battle with it, and then and uh, Yusef buggered off the instant the battle started. Yeah. The funniest thing was was that immediately after the battle had ended, they see Yusef who'd, who'd fled before <laughs> sailing past him on a skiff, and he's like, "See you later, fuckers." <laughs> and um, Grant, one one of the characters, his immediate reaction was like, "I'm jumping on his skiff, cutting his fucking head off." Yeah. <laughs> Does it, and then the guys are like. So how do we get home, guys? <laughs> it was just... I was like, oh yeah, and that was literally the end of the episode. <laughs> yeah, you just stuck in the desert. <laughs> Fucked. So we did, um, we did another one, uh, another one after that, where essentially these guys were lost in the desert and found this, found these old ruins. This duck man, like a hologram of a duck man, was talking to him in the desert, saying, yeah. "Save us, and we'll tell you how to get home." Mm-hmm. And they found these old dwarven ruins carved into a volcano and um, basically conquered this dungeon. And in doing so, with expert skill it was it was amazing it was really good they be, the, the final fight of which is basically these lizard men who had appropriated this this old dwarven ruin and they've been enslaving other races in there like yep. like duck men yep. like orcs and the duck men were trying to project themselves into the desert looking for people to help them yeah and uh, the final battle was with he had this giant hyena monster this lizard guy had this giant hyena monster on a chain and they fought them both at the top of the volcano having killed them they basically knocked him down the fucking volcano which was awesome <laughs> yeah. and having killed them they they freed this 20,000-year-old dwarven mummy who um, talks in a surfer dude bro way. Whoa, bro! He's like, oh, how long's it been, bro? This used to all be legs. This is this is like totally not cool. Not cool, man. And then he got on the top of the um, the tombstone and surfed down the mountain. Yep, and now he's our free... Yeah, because he's like, we're trying to put him in... Then he's like, no, he's too much of a free spirit. He says, we can't put him in the yeah, zoo. Yeah, he, unfortunately, yeah, the, the mummy can't go in the zoo, but they have used him for advertising. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we put we put an advert for our zoo on the bottom side of his surfboard. <laughs> we got him to go up and down the coast. Yeah, because these guys are on the sword coast, so it's basically, yeah, that he's just surfing up and down the coast promoting the zoo. Yeah, the zoo, dudes! The cool thing is... Green. <laughs> they they actually have like a little uh, thing in acquisitions incorporated for it's called marketeering yeah and so they they sort of did their roles and it worked out pretty well mm-hmm. and um yeah he's become good friends with the sea hag because yeah, they're both they yeah. both love the sea surfing yeah. and stuff like this we're but, trying to drum up a, a, a deal with the um, local storeman yeah and we that was pretty cool actually because yeah. these guys have amassed a lot of wealth over the year and recently we went into remodeling the zoo oh, fortifying and, the village yeah because they're now one of them's the mayor of the town yeah. so yeah they've been fortifying the village and what I thought was quite genius is they've they've built a wall around the city that was like an obvious thing they had to do um, they've built they've nicened up the zoo mm. and they've built a new hatchery so they can hatch <laughs> low level monsters yeah. And they're going to put them in a little adventure zone for kids to go and fight yeah. little monsters. Little kids, yeah. But because they wanted more skilled people in the town, somebody came up with a genius idea. I think it was you, of creating a tax break for wizards that that. Oh, not the to... tax break. No, I, I I I first said we need more wizards in the town because a they can help the town and b they're quite powerful. Mm. I think someone came up with an idea of how we can draw them into the town by giving them a tax break. So yeah, but they they James less... like, I want it to be secret though. Yeah, so because they wanted it to be secret, obviously Grant, the contract guy, he wrote it all up in legalese. Yeah. So no one, can, no, no one knows. No one knows except the wizards who are smart enough to understand that type <laughs> and, of stuff. And keep their mouth shut. <laughs> yeah, and so yeah, that those are the building works that they've done. But now that mummy guy, whose name is Chadak, Chad. but he likes to be called Chad, <laughs> um, he, um, he basically said that 
he when he was in school he remembers there was this demon that said that she was going to go into hibernation and return in 20,000 years and try and destroy the world mm. and so one of their old characters came back he's an angel now and he came back and said he's been given a one time use of a time travel spell because it's a dire situation yeah. and but he, he came down ah <laughs> yeah. They thought they heard an, uh, like an angel chorus, but because Keith Wegman's voice is so piercing, he's just like, as if it's coming down. Yeah, and so they had to go 20,000 years into the past to the time when Chadak was still in school. But wait, and... plot twist. Go. The past was ETU. Yeah, so it's, it's actually our... 1985. Yes, and they went back. Right, to- that really scratched Bry's head. He was like, "But wait, but we've gone back, and it's like normal time." Like, but there's oh, cars. Weird, I don't get it. It's like yeah. weird, isn't it? It's like, yeah, that's really weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they went back to East Texas University, where they had to figure out who the demon was and and abolish it. But the thing is, they couldn't make too many waves other than that because they didn't want to upset the course of history. Exactly. That's why. That's exactly. why angels don't let you use time travel. Yeah. So we did an AE spin-off episode. Of course we did. <laughs> and our character, it was a fantastic little touch. Um, our character sheets came out on cassette tapes, which were brilliant. Yeah, I couldn't. I can't take the credit for that. That was actually Carl Keesler um, that came up with that idea originally, but I nicked it. Yeah, no fair. So well, you, yeah, yeah you had cassette tapes. They had music on them, and then you yeah. had um, on the paper the, the little J card. It's called. They had uh, the 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 guy's stats, and we played using Savage Worlds because East Texas University is a Savage Worlds uh, setting. Yeah, it was pretty cool. We had so a couple of classes trying to hold down an education whilst trying to save the world. That was future fu- world. That was pretty funny because, um, <laughs> like, right away I said, "Right, classes are coming up. Obviously, you've got stuff to do. What do you guys want to do?" And everyone was like, "We're going to skip class." We've got a bunk, yeah. And they all just went round the back of the school and smoked a doobie together, <laughs> except for Stanley. Went except to for Stanley, class. he went to his Japanese history class, <laughs> and he was sitting there. Yeah, so in ETU, one of the really cool things it does is that um, every time you level up, you get to roll for your exams that semester, mm. and those exams then give you like bonuses but because we're playing a one shot I decided to make it those bonuses apply to just the classes you've done yeah so Stanley he got a favour with a um, with a faculty member and he also got noticed by someone else and it happened to be this woman called Narissa who was like a bully from a sorority uh, called yeah. Gamma Beta Gamma Beta yeah and uh, yeah so these guys um, essentially long story short they found out that the that Gamma Beta were um, housing housing the demon beneath their sorority yep. dorms yep and uh, essentially they were feeding new recruits you know how they really like terrorise new recruits to like sororities and frat oh hazing isn't it yeah yeah like yeah. hazing so the, the, the new recruits were um, responsible for feeding the demon hazing and keeping it alive <laughs> and so obviously loads of disappearances had happened recently yeah. they went to the library found out that loads of occult books oh, had been taken out we <laughs> was getting into the occult section that had been banned and the, the, the security guard just standing there so-, so they were trying to convince the security guard to let them in Stanley who was because uh, they all got changed into like teen versions of themselves so Stanley who's a samurai in the D&D game he was like a weeaboo like a Japanese wannabe <laughs> yeah. and he was uh, he, I said if you spend a Benny to change the plot you can have a, uh, a hentai a video and he said he goes up to the security guns like I got that Oratsuki Doji you asked for and then <laughs> oh is that what that was yeah. I didn't know it was hentai yeah yeah and so so suddenly the security guards tack changes and he's he's like you got that shit <laughs> you got, got that, that shit <laughs> yeah so funny man he's like oh I didn't get in there man he's so, like, get yeah, in there good. you got one minute it was incredibly good fun and it, it was a complete change of direction that none of us saw coming to be honest with you yeah so um, did you did you enjoy ETU then I did yeah I, did. I really liked it and do you know what it was the whole um, 
I only know, even though we only got a snippet of it, and obviously we had quite a direct thing to do as soon as we got there. I can imagine playing ETU when you just get wrapped up in the kind of um, you know school politics sides. Really fun. That's the fun of it because you you kind of um, balance social life, school, and adventuring at the exactly. same time. And that's also almost what we're doing in our D and D world. So that's why it was a good fit, I guess, because we have our downtime. We call it, which is when we're um, basically doing up the town. It almost turns into like a game of Monopoly. Um, and then when we got uptime is when we're out adventuring. So it's, yeah, it's, it's be, cool. That, nobody else calls it uptime, but we do. I know, yes, yeah. So. But yeah, so um, I thought it fit fairly well. And uh, the final battle was pretty cool because yeah. the, the beast was actually, people will know it's Lolth from D&D, who's a big spider Thing. centaur type woman. <laughs> yeah. And um, when it was, we had this great like movie type moment where they'd managed to get everyone out of the sorority by causing a massive distraction. Oh set, my god! Setting yeah. off a fire alarm, starting a fight outside, doing a motorbike wheelie in the fucking car park, yeah, or yeah. whatever it was. And um, so, so suddenly the house is empty, and they all get to run around having a look. And they had the names of certain people that had taken out books in the library and stuff like this. They all burst in. One guy's in this room. One guy's in another room. And I sort of went around the players and what they were doing. And suddenly, as everyone's opening up all of their books and realising what's happened reading the diaries of certain girls finding the books and seeing what they were doing Nick's character um, Dave Dankgrass Dishington <laughs> was already down in the basement yeah. and so it's this point where it's like okay the camera's like on the books and it's looking at them suddenly you come to this realisation you look up wide eyed and then we just cut to the basement and Nick's there like Hello? <laughs> and then this fucking big spider comes out. Yeah. Whatever it said, yeah. She, she went, what? What? And I was like... Hello. And then the, the leader of the sorority, this girl called Nerissa, oh, halfway my. through the fight, came down with a shotgun, shotgun and started trying to take everyone out. And she took chunks out of me. It was deadly. Oh, you you died. I died. His character literally died. Yep. But when they got back to their world, obviously the angel, Keith Wegman, was still there. And they just they said to him, like... Look, man, we just saved the fucking world. You can't. Fault, t- can you hook us up with a re- resurrection? <laughs> can we get a res- Can we get a resurrection? And to be it? fair, as far as I was concerned, your character was out of the game. But oh yeah. But I think it was only fair. I and it, 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 Keith, Keith, I know you would have taken it, but yeah, Keith was basically like, "Look, I'm gonna have a hard time swinging this one with the man upstairs, but fine, you can have it." And yeah, we'd be like, "You've been brown nosing for three hundred years." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty cool. It was so good. Um, yeah, so I, I I really enjoy running ETU. This is the third time I've run it, but um, I think it's it, it uses the Savage Worlds like base, which mm. is typically about adventuring stuff to do investigative plots, yeah. and it works really well, especially with the exams thing and all the new edges they've got. Like like they're all sort of eighties movie style edges. Like nice. You've got one called Frady Cat where you're kind of nervous about stuff. There's one called Be Like a Zebra. I don't know what this is a reference to, but you get like a bonus to parry when people are next to you. You can oh, I've nice. got certain edges that yeah. help you with exams, things uh, like this. Cool. And as you go, as you move up and you go into, because it goes freshman, senior, first year, second year, mm-hmm. every time you go up one to one year, the exams get harder and harder. Ah. So it becomes harder to get those bonuses, but you would have leveled up a little bit. Yeah. So it kind of evens out. Nice. Yeah. And like you said, it's a bit about balancing all of this social shit. And yeah. Stuff like this. And that's what I love about it is that, is that balancing act. It's there was cool. one thing it. though. Um, I know you're really enjoying the D&D game, or at least I hope so. But yeah. the um, there was one thing you said in the game the other day, and I think this is worth talking about because you mentioned that um, uh, I said that okay if you guys want to take feats you can which is mm. the thing in D&D every time you get an ability score advance you can cash that in and get a feat instead right. Yeah, which is like, a, a, like an edge or an advantage or something that gives your character like so I, you, when I said that you were like oh great more stuff to remember <laughs> so is that like would you say that is that your biggest complaint about D&D 5e? No, I mean, <clears throat> what I like about it is there is so much to 
you know make your character unique and to help your character and stuff but it's um i, I fear that there's a point where you might unless you're constantly kind of referring to your character sheet you can lose you can lose sight of what you've got definitely um, and definitely. that's the problem and i, and I worry that it, it when there's too much going on it dilutes cool moves a little bit because you've got i don't know there's just not as much i mean i find more often than not that what happens is these players they they'll have these 10 9 whatever cool moves that they can do on their sheet you know yeah. as a ranger you've got loads of yeah. little abilities yeah. a lot of them are actually passive so you don't really need to remember them mm-hmm. but a lot, a lot of times people will sort of stick to the, the one cool thing and then use the other things every so often yeah so for example, um, when Sean, my brother, was playing a monk, he has all of these cool key abilities, but more often than not, it's just flurry of blows. I'm going for three hits yeah, on a yeah, turn. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, but uh, additionally, you might have like, um, I don't know, like, like for example, with the ranger, you've got all of these spells, all of these different things, but 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 like hunt, Hunter's Mark is your like, bread and That's butter. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so I don't know. I mean, it's far. It, it, I think I'd like to look at them, see what they're all about, feats, I think. Yeah, it, I do. I do feel do you, you know. Because how do you feel though, about it? I I, th- I think it's cu- when you have certain players at the table that aren't good at even remembering which dice to roll. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, like yeah. remembering all your abilities. Luckily, that particular person is a barbarian. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. Because I know for a fact there's been situations we've been stuck in, and you've sat there behind the screen not uttering a word, but in your head you go, "There's one ability that you lot have got that will just kill this situation." Often, <laughs> well, actually, you've got good at remembering this, but often it'll be like when you guys are really hurt and they're like, "Fuck them out of healing potions," and James is out of heals for the day because yeah. he was playing the paladin and then and then everyone's like oh we're so fucked and it's like nick you're sitting on a good berry right good there, berry, baby yeah but now you now you remember it yeah but like you say you've got kind of you've got almost because the characters are complicated it does make for a good game but you as a player you've almost got to be like you've you've got to be just as um rules knowledgeable or at least character knowledgeable as the dm you do need to know exactly what's in your toolkit it's like when we were stranded in the wilderness i felt like that was the time when this not the spotlight should have been on me but i i felt like because i've got the the, i'm the ranger and we were lost hungry and 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 worried in the wilderness i thought right this is my time i need to think about all the benefits and all the perks that i've got to try and keep the party alive and it's knowing your strengths I guess yes <clears throat> that's exactly it and I find as a DM as well it's impossible for me to know what everyone's got in their sheets of course, yeah. so oftentimes you may think I'm just sitting there when, when you know people have got good abilities it's forgotten. probably that I just don't even yeah. know them Yeah, like, uh, but I do I do like the game very much and we had this similar thing with Pathfinder because characters end up having so many abilities especially you played the gunslinger yeah, you had wow. like about 15 yep. 20 feet by the yeah, end of the game yeah yeah so, I think I used them once. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what I mean, yeah. So, but um, it makes for a good game, but it's just, it's just, it is a little bit more complicated. But sometimes that's what you want. And I think do. for the game that we're playing at the moment, I'm enjoying it because it means the monsters are interesting and have a bunch of abilities. Yeah, totally. And for all the crunch, it's not cumbersome. Exactly. I, I, I really I really feel like it's not, but it doesn't bog us down. Do yeah, it doesn't slow down the game. No, not at all. Um, let's talk about quickly about Cyber Sprawl Classics. Hey, yeah. Because we just finished a five-episode campaign of that mm-hmm. um, sort of, I guess you could call it an adventure, but mm-hmm. it was more like five adventures. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, quickly we will talk about it because we did speak about it at the end of the Cyber Sprawl Classics episode. Yeah. But this is basically a DCC mod that changes DCC into a cyberpunk future game. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I, 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 I thought it was very, very good. It was released for free in magazine format, so yeah. they released little bits of the rules as you go along. We started playing only when the second one had come out, didn't even have enemies in the No, book. that's right, yeah. You don't need it. Um, yeah. It's very, very good. It, I think it, it's like Shadowrun 
with the serial numbers filed off, but yeah. done in an, it, with using the DCC rules. And one of the things that I you played a hacker in the game yeah. Oh, yeah. called a console cowboy, which yeah. is a great name. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's one of the best things is they call it the metaverse, but it's like the the hacking from Shadowrun. Yeah. And uh, I love that so much because so if you want to play that over Shadowrun, that's one of the main reasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's just so quick. Yeah, yeah. And everyone could be, well, not everyone could be involved because obviously there's a hacking scene, but it's not like you were saying with Shadowrun where sometimes GMs would actually have to kind of um, earmark time by themselves and just the hacker to be able to get past a point. Yeah, or it would be like, all right, everyone talk amongst yourselves. We're, we're going to do the hacking for two hours. Yeah, you yeah know what I mean? exactly. Like, no one wants to come to a game like that. In so. this, at most, it was five minutes. Yes, yeah, exactly. You know, because yeah. it's just basically like, okay, you want to get through security, give me a roll. Mm-hmm. Or you want to execute a program, which are essentially the spells of this game. Yeah, exactly. You you have to be in the metaverse, and you just you can just hack in, mm-hmm. use a terminal, and then just boom, roll so what you fun. think. Yeah. And I think that works really well. The yes. other classes kind of use DCC as a base. Like, you've got the Infiltrator, which is like the thief. There's mm. the Street Samurai, which is like the warrior. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just it's just so good, because it doesn't, it, it doesn't have skills. You know, it just has the old, you know, D20 if you've got it, or whatever. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and it's just a, it's a very simplified OSR way of doing cyberpunk, exactly. and it works so well. It really does, yeah. And the reason yeah. I would probably uh, there's probably other cyberpunk OSR games out there, but I'd recommend this one because it's free. No, absolutely, free yeah. as fuck. Free as fuck, mate. And it's, it's cracking. We've DCC tried it. Though. We've given it a good go, and um, yeah, held up. It was really good. Really good. Yeah. Really good. Um, so yeah, check that out. Definitely by Brent Alt. Brent Alt. Yep. The, the Brent Prime was <laughs> was was killed unfortunately by Brent Alt. He's the alternate version. <laughs> He's the alternative version. Um, and two more things I just want to mention is Tough Guys, a um, a sort of expansion to yeah. Wise Guys, which is a gangster setting for Savage Worlds. Yeah, that is out now. It's um, out. Print versions are coming soon. The bloody PDF is already out, mm-hmm. and you can get it on Drive Through RPG, and it's quite good. It is. It's I think good. that Carl Keesler has done a really good. I should point out that Nick and I worked on that yeah. particular supplement. That's yeah. why we're mentioning Shameless it. Shameless promotion. But Carl Keesler worked on the layout, as did Mornay Scarp, and as a result, it's a very, very nice looking little book, and yeah. it's it's like seventy something pages that that. If you want to play a London gangster yeah, game, it's all there for you, mate. And you've played it as well. I, I ran you through the demo adventure in oh, there yeah. that I, I wrote, and uh, it's a bloody fun it adventure. Was yeah, it was really good. I'm going to be rerunning that at Savage Con yeah. on the 18th of April, which is a con run by us lot. Us, yeah. That's um, right. So, Red Hill, the Toby Carvery, 18th of April um, yeah. in England, and you can come to that. Only £5 entry £5 for entry. a whole day of gaming a and entry game. into a raffle where we've got some fucking cool we prizes. We've shit away. It's our third year. It's been, uh, it's been a good, it's been a sellout every year, so. What's worrying me is the amount of people that I've I don't know and have never met that are signing up this year. Oh I'm, shit! Uh oh! Uh oh! Real people! Uh oh! I, I literally sent I sent the the thing uh, I sent the uh, kind of sign up um, website to the to the group last night. Yeah. It was like you guys should sign up quickly, by the way, Did because I, it must have done. Yeah, um, James James, our webmaster, yeah. is is in charge of that. The but dev. <laughs> he's the dev. <laughs> but um, yeah, fucking, I, I was just like. I really hope that my actual friends can come to it. Yeah, that'd be nice. Because <laughs> it, it was it was really worrying last night. I was like, oh, there's fucking like ten tickets just come through for people I don't know. Don't even know. Who they are. Maybe we should do a second one called Savage Friend Cast Con. Con. Yeah, we're only Savage people with Friend Con. That sounds terrible. <laughs> just a load of mates that are really shitty to you. Yeah, it's like it's people <laughs> that bully you. <laughs> Um, yeah, we've got some great games. We've got Daniel Irwin. He's running uh, A Night at the Services, which is, I think, a, some, a something horror set in a gas station. Oh, Not yeah. sure what the fuck that is. I'm doing Tough Guys. I'm doing Aliens vs. Regnecks. Yeah. Nick, you're doing Savage Destiny, which I is am. fucking awesome. Yeah. And Savage the Crazies. The Crazies, yeah, because I watched The Crazies again the other day and was like, that's a good film. What is cra- The Crazies? It's, it's an old film. 
Uh, it's I, not that old. It's not that old. It was um, a few years ago. Though. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, about 2011, I reckon. Mm. Uh, it's really good, actually. It's one of them films that I don't know. Yeah, you watch it, and it's just um, just just done pretty well. Yeah, it's, it's a bit of a. Is it Zombaloids? Kinda. It's like Rages. Oh, okay, like yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a. Well, I don't want to give too much away in case you come to SavageCon, but something goes wrong in a, in a small town, and uh, it's like a survival thing. Sounds so, yeah. great. It's on, yeah, yeah. yeah. We've so. also got a um, exclusive preview of a new setting by Owen Leans called uh, Owen Leans. Owen Leans. Uh, by Owen Lean called Spies, which is a James Bond type thing. And I said that he should do an expansion where you play a countercultural terror organisation called Lies. <laughs> yeah, that'd be good. But, but the thing is, is that I don't think uh, that the Pinnacle Entertainment would allow a game where you play terrorists to come through. Oh, come on. Come on. <laughs> this PC world we live in. <laughs> I mean, Lean. He better not be drinking Lean at Savage God. Exactly. He always is, man. He lives up to He's up, He loves purple drank. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into uh, the main subject, which is going to be Cypher System. Cypher System. Main. Subject. Magic. Main. Subject. Tokyo. Main. Subject. Monty Cook. Monty Cook. Yes, so let's do Cypher System. So their their tagline is, um, any character, any campaign, if you can imagine it, the Cypher System makes it easy. Uh, it's a fair point. It does, I think. <laughs> well, that, that sounds good. But yeah. the thing about Monty Cook, I think his pedigree... Now, I always get facts wrong when I don't research them and try to pull them out of my brain, so I'm hoping this is right. <laughs> yeah. But he, he did help design D&D 3rd Edition, wow. which meant he was the guy responsible for getting rid of Thaco to hit Armor Class Zero, which was this kind of complicated thing. In the original D&Ds, like, you had to roll a D- you had a, a, a number to hit Armor Class Zero. So it was your right. ability to hit Armor Class Zero. And then enemies would have a plus, right, yeah. on their Armor Class, which meant that you'd roll a D20 and then add it to that to hit Armor Class Zero. Mm. And then that meant that what you had to do was roll under that number. So right. a plus was actually a shit AC. A minus was a good oh, one. Right. Oh, right. And okay. it was a little bit complicated. Yeah, Nobody yeah. liked it. No. And ascending AC, which we play with now, I think is Monty Cook. Right. I think. Thacko. Got rid of Thacko. Yeah, because it's to hit Armor Class Zero, so it's Thacko. <laughs> That's a good one. I yeah. like that acronym. So I guess uh, he's pretty legendary in that regard. So uh, And this is his... his way of doing an open system guess so yeah 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 i mean um i didn't know too much about monty i mean i've heard of it but i didn't really know too much about well i originally got him confused with monty hall yeah. so, so I, what do i know what do we know eh? but never mind but let's yeah, talk so about cypher let's let's dig in let's dig in and see what we think so cypher system mainly uses d20s or, or or pretty much primarily uses d20s um the rule for the system is pretty straightforward to be honest with you um it's so basically the gm will set a, dif- a difficulty for any given task uh, and that's one to ten. One being the easiest, and ten being the most difficult task. Mm. And all you do is um, the target number is it, uh, the player must roll has to equal to or be above three times that score. So if it's a level ten, it would be you're hitting level. You know, you've got to hit thirty or above to succeed. To succeed, and um, yeah, so you just times it by three. So whatever the uh, so you know level two, for example, difficulty level three would be three times three being nine, the target number. Um, and they're all given uh, descriptions in the book, as I can see here. So uh, if the task difficulty is zero, it's a routine. You don't have to roll for it. Exactly. Ten is impossible. Mm-hmm. Nine is immortal. I- immortal task. And it says a task worthy of legends that last lifetimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, yeah, but it's... Um, 
So, and then also in the cipher system, play, players make all the rolls. So it's all player rolling. GM mm. doesn't make any dice rolls at all. So if a character attacks something, then they make an attack roll. If they're being attacked by something, then they will make a defense roll. Nice and easy. For nice. The GM. Yeah. So the GM doesn't roll any dice. So they're just worrying about all the other bits. Um, combat. Uh, combat again is a, a, an attack roll. Uh, and it's the same same again. So the GM will sign in a, diff- a difficulty task and you roll D20 associated to the number. So you'll have level monsters. So it'll be, if you have a level two monster, you then you need to hit away. a six. You've got to hit a, uh, a six. To, yeah, exactly. A six on him. That's really and clever. Really, really straightforward. Yeah. So, so again, so yeah, so if you've got, uh, you know, you've got a bunch of level two bandits and you're looking at a six to hit them. Yeah, I like, I, I've always enjoyed running player facing games because Tales of the Loot is a similar thing where yeah. it's like, instead of saying the monster hits you, you go to monster picks up his club and is swinging towards you what are you doing and then obviously you roll a defence in this exactly yeah. Yeah, yeah. so is the defence equal to the monster's level as well then so yeah you, it's all done by levels that's yeah. that's yeah. class that's so nice. and then so so and again damage is not determined by a die roll it's a predetermined number again so you have weapon damage so so um, depending on the weapon uh, or the move used so uh, an example would be a spear will always do four points of damage whether yeah, it be because it's light medium and heavy so yeah. a heavy weapon always does six points exactly exactly nice. That. Yeah, so it's always it's always a set amount of damage. Obviously, you can add more damage depending on rolls and stuff. But to keep it nice and simple, weapon a spear will always do four. Very good. Uh, armor is armor again is really simple. It will just re- reduce the amount of damage taken. So if you've got an armor of one. Then you uh, and you're taking two damage. Then obviously you only take one damage. Very good. Uh, so it could be physical, and that could be physical armor, like a leather jacket, or it could be uh, you know like a special ability, you know, like a psychic shield, whatever. Yeah, nice. Um, again, like weapons, the, uh, this is a flat number, and it's always just subtracted from the uh, from the we- from the weapon damage when you take a hit. Nice and simple. I should point out at this point that usually when we do these reviews, it's me saying a bunch of stuff, and then Nick will jump in and, and say say amusing things. But Nick is a lot funnier than I am, so. <laughs> I'm gonna. Oh, I, I'm gonna try my hardest, right? I'm gonna come up with some fucking corkers during <laughs> yeah. this. Well, I haven't. I haven't seen any opportunity yet. But believe me, listener, they're it's coming. coming. They're it's coming. coming. <laughs> so, and again, if the if your armor reduces that attack to zero, you take no damage. Nice, which is lovely. Um, so, when you roll nat nineteen uh, and the roll is a, is a success against the target number, this is this is called a special roll. Um, so you get a success, but you also get a minor effect with it. Nice. Uh, in combat, it could be free. Uh, it could be free extra points of damage, or you can decide a special result like re- distracting the enemy, knocking it down, knocking it prone, you know, pushing it back, that kind of stuff. Um, when not in combat, uh, it could mean that you succeed uh, in a task with grace. So rather than do it, you do it well. Um, nice. So you, if you're jumping over a chasm. Yeah. You get a 19. You're flipping over. You're flipping, it. and he landed on your feet. Um, so you, whatever it may be. So. Um, so not only do you succeed, you also go a little bit further. Um, now the big one: when you hit a nat twenty, and the roll is is a success, because obviously you could hit a twenty, but you're looking for a twenty-five, so you could still fail. But if it's a success and you get a natural twenty, um, that means that you'll get a major effect. Oh, okay, cool, yeah, yeah. So and that major effect could be uh, so something remarkable. So something remarkable happens. The book says so. In combat, you can get four extra points of damage. You can choose to do that, or instead introduce a, a dramatic event. Um, such as knowing, uh, as such as knocking down your foe, stunning them, making it that you know even more so than than a minor effect. So all of the yeah, so all of the extra combat options sort of baked into that special roll type yeah, thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. 
Uh, and then if you're um, if you're out of combat and you get a nat 20, it means that uh, something beneficial happens based on the circumstances. So uh, it could be that you get up, a, you know, you climb a cliff twice as fast or whatever. Uh, or like if you're searching for information, you might get an extra clue extra or something. Extra bit of information. It's down to the GM, but something beneficial should happen. Um, also, I should, I should mention that if you get a nat 20, you don't have to take the major effect. You can choose the minor effect. You get the choice of the two. Oh, cool, yeah, because you could base it on what's more what's going on more useful exactly that so um and that's it so that's cool and and then also the last bit about rolling is if you're in combat and you hit a 17 or an 18 uh you can do one or two points of of that extra damage respectively so anything from 17 up you're getting extras Mm. you're getting cool stuff i just took this opportunity to eat a mint i'm sorry if you could hear if i was crunching on the mic there (laughs) a little bit of a soundscape for you Mm -hmm. Uh, this game also has cool things called ciphers of course let's talk about the ciphers um, these little babies are single-use abilities. They can be items, they can be physical items, or they could be... Uh, like know, a story-based precisely. thing. Yep. Uh, and in many campaigns, they may not be physical, but um, in others they are. So it could be something like... I mean, bad word for it, but like your character is inspired or adrenalized. Or, or a spell. It could oh, be a nice. spell or a lucky twist of fate um, or an item that will momentarily grant you an advantage. So a good example might be the, um, what, what is he called? The the mysterious stranger, stranger. Yeah, from exactly. Fallout. No, yeah. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Just, it's like the extra damage or, or the, the twist of fate could be this guy suddenly comes along, shoots the guy in the head, then fucks off. That's your cipher, yeah, exactly. And nice. It could be a phone, phone that only rings that guy. I don't know. Um, and it, whatever suits the setting uh, and you you apply the trappings. That's the main thing about cipher. What I've learned from this is it's, it's very broad, uh, it's very um, generic. It's not the right word, but broad, and, and and you you dress it up with all your trappings. So rather than the GM worrying about rolling and things like this, it's more about They're coming up with story. Yeah. Yes, yeah, that makes it. sense. Exactly that. So again, it's really cool. So, so that's... are there are there like uh, there's probably a stupid question, but are there like preset ciphers. Yeah, yeah, loads, loads oh, of them. There's loads of them in the book. Yeah, you can make your own ciphers, um, or you or there's loads in the book. We'll get onto that in a bit. But yeah, so let's move on to character creation. Um, so it seems like it's a rules-like game, but there are lots of rules that you need to take into account. But one that, once that bit's done, it's all pretty straight. So straight a bit on. like that Judge Dredd game that we reviewed. So yeah, not as much so, but it's similar with character creation stuff. There's a few bits and pieces that you put in. Um, so, but again, it is, it is pretty straightforward. So each PC has three defining stats. So these are your derived stats, if you like, and they are might, speed, and intellect. So they are purposely broad so they can cover many different but related aspects of that character. So might will be how strong and durable you are and that is it's it, that'd be strength, endurance, constitution, anything like that will okay. fall under your might role. Got you. Uh, speed is pretty self-explanatory but that would encompass things like dexterity, movement, reflexes, dodge, stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, and again they're broad so so when you say you're doing that kind of move you'll say well that's kind of a, that would fall under speed. Yes. Okay, um, I get so, you. So it's nice. And the last one would be intellect which determines things like how smart you are, knowledge, how likable you are. This also covers wisdom, charisma, uh, all that kind of stuff. So okay. and there you free there you free main derived stats. Okay, that's cool. So yeah. then the other ones the, the other ones are like um so the things like charisma and things like this, do you get a score for those, or nope. is it just all falls under all fall under? So you your kind intellect. of trap it yourself. If you've got yeah. a high intellect, you can say, well, it's because I'm really charismatic, exactly. or because yeah. I went to Hogwarts. Precisely, yeah. Well, that comes on later as well. Hogwarts? So, oh, no, not Hogwarts. Luckily, uh, oh, but it's shame. called a descriptor. But I'll talk about that in a bit. So each of these stats has two components. So within that stat, you have two parts of it. You've got the pool and the edge. Your pool represents your raw innate ability, and your edge is knowing how to use what you have. Uh, and then a third element that ties into these two concepts is effort. Uh, when you really want to succeed in something, you can apply effort. So it's pretty straightforward. So Paul, 
as an average, most PCs would start with a stat pool of about 9 to 12. That's an average person. You have 9 to 12, 12 in that stat. Mm-hmm. Um, this would be classed as average. So, say a monster has uh, a might of 17 is pretty tough fucker, basically. Yeah. Uh, when a PC is sickened, injured, or attacked, you temporarily lose points from one of your stat pools, depending on the type of damage it is. So, think mutant year zero. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty cool. So, 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 so physical damage, you're going down in might. But if you lost a particularly fierce argument, your intellect's going down. Precisely that. You, you yeah. get so stressed, you have to you have to hole up in a bed for a few yeah, weeks. Yeah, you lose intellect. Yeah, exactly that. So, and that's a, that's, that's that score. That score's not static, so it goes down, and then rest will push, push it back up again. Cool. Also determines your health as well. Um, so yeah, so you rest or use uh, items and ciphers to restore lost hit points. Um, and yes, yeah, so, and that's your main thing. So you can apply, um, you can pl- apply effort to stuff to basically bring the target number down. So it's effort like, is that like a spendable resource? Yeah, exactly. Okay, cool. Yeah, but it's a, um, I believe it's determined by your character. So you're having, uh, I think you have like, uh, like an effort level and an edge level, and that's that's determined. Nice. And, and it will give you discounts to, to to tasks. That's cool. Yeah, so it's pretty cool. So yeah, so then you have edge. Okay, so so. Um, what the um, guitarist from U two? Yeah, he comes along and he helps you out. <laughs> I forgot. Seems you. like a strange no, he's choice. The edge. Oh, good point. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was the so Edge the wrestler. Edge the cube's good. I like Edge. <laughs> uh, so your pull is a basic measure of derived stats, but your edge is also important. When something requires you to spend points from a stat pool, your your uh, stat pool, your edge stat reduces the cost. So it also reduces the cost to apply effort to a roll. Remember, if you reduce a target number to zero, you can do it for free. So that's the whole thing. So what you want to do is whenever you've got a task, depending on what you've got and what bonuses you've got, if you can reduce that down to... Ideally, you're trying to reduce it to zero because you get you get to take 20 on it. So you can like take edge and effort and then let's say, for example, it's a, a task that's a six, right? Mm-hmm. You could just reduce it right down to zero and be like, well, now you succeed. If you manage to get it down to zero... Or then- you could just reduce like... An impossible task to something doable, and that's how you can get level, and that's how you get to level thirty rolls because you've got to start then factoring in all your bonuses to bring that down because obviously you can't hit a thirty or twenty. On the so you kind of have to. It's like a resource management thing. Yeah, you yeah. have to like think about using it for for the big things. Yes, yeah, absolutely. So say for instance, a mind blast ability costs you one intellect to do yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Um, subtract your edge from that. And if it takes one off of it, boom, you get a free mind blast. So if so, yeah, by applying your edge, even though it costs you one, because you've got that edge that reduces that one to zero by one point, you're doing your mind blast for free. So what's the difference between edge and effort then? Edge is a set discount, and you get that from your character creation. Right, okay. And then you can apply additional effort to that from a pull to bring it down further. Understood, yeah. yeah. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. And that one, uh, so if you roll a natural one, it's the same as most RPGs. The GM decides what bad shit happens, so they have to introduce complication. Uh, edge number can be different for each derived stat, and you can start with zero in edge. So you might have zero edge in intellect, which means you're getting no bonus from it. I see, yeah. So this is kind of like your pluses and minuses yeah. ba- based on your stats. Exactly. Okay, yeah. cool. So exactly I didn't that. realize you had different edge for different things. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. So you might have like a negative or a zero. No, might. I think zero is the lowest. I don't think you go negative. Okay. But you, but you have zero, so you can't, so you get no discount. Yeah, okay, cool. So, you know, you might not be super tough, but you might be really good at being like a master manipulator because you've got that edge stat that always brings that down. So whenever you're doing anything kind of sneaky, because that's your kind of character, you're, you're, you're going to excel in that. Great. Uh, again, but then you might not be so tough. So you, when you're doing fighting roles, you're not getting that edge that bonus, bonus to bring it down. Yeah. Mm. So when a piece, of, so if a player character really needs to accomplish a task, that's when you can apply effort. So if you really, really, really want to com- complete the task, you know you can add effort as well to to get a better bonus. And you could. Uh, so so uh, I might be jumping the gun here, but how do you recharge effort? 
sleep. So that Rest. means that, that kind of you want to try to use it like like in wisely. Absolutely, and- effort. Yeah, effort is a finite amount, so you want to be using that. Especially, you won't you won't be you applying effort to everything. Let's put it that way. Yeah, and I, you could, I would imagine. Again, this is you know we haven't tried it out yet, so we're but not sure. so you could um, even if you're shit at lot picking and you've got zero edge in whatever the stat is that you need for that, you yeah. could just go. Well, but I really need this to pop off. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm whacking all my effort. Into yeah, this exactly. One. Yeah, as far as I'm aware, that's how mm. it works. Yeah. So for beginning characters, it requires spending three points to apply the effort. So yeah, so basically, if you want to apply one level of effort, you've got to spend three points of that stat. So okay. You've got, so say for like you said, say it's intellect to lot pick. You would need to you drop three intellect points just to be able to apply one effort. After the first level of effort, when you spend three, it's then discounted to two after that. So oh, yeah. if you were to do two levels of effort, it costs you five points. Okay, Simple cool. Simple as that. Um, so, so yeah, so again, so if you really need to do so, you've always got that option where you can apply effort to it. Uh, applying effort is optional, as I said, so you don't have to. It just helps. And um, and you obviously have to declare that you want to apply effort before any rolling is done. So you can't obviously do a shit roll and go, oh no, I want to apply, I want to apply effort. Doesn't work. Um, you can apply more effort and reduce the task difficulty level even further, as I said before, by reducing it, and that will cost you two points after the initial, um, you know, a spend. So you get a little discount if you want to become a fucking legend. <laughs> so, so yeah, so three levels. So if you do three levels, that's three plus two plus two. So you're looking at seven points of seven points to be able to give three levels of effort. So that was a little bit complicated, but it's not when you actually look at the um, character sheet. No, I get it. It's, uh, it's it's pretty. It seems pretty straightforward to me yeah. because they have something in Shadowrun that's like that, and uh, luck points in DCC, for example. That's it. Yeah. It's it, you. You can just. It's just a spendable resource. Yeah, precisely. So um, er, uh, so every 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 PC has a starting effort score, and that determines how much effort they can spend on a task. So like I said, as you, and I, I guess that score would then be um, enhanced as you as you get XP and stuff. Mm. So as you experience up, yeah, here we go. So you get larger. You get larger effort scores you can also apply effort to attacks to deliver more damage which is quite cool nice yep so if you really want to hurt someone you can add add effort to your attack um, that makes sense yeah because you've got these static things so it seems uh, if i was worried that the static damage would make mean combat goes on for ages but nah. you could yeah if you really want to blast the yeah fucker. precisely yeah that's it and also if you, you know if you're getting a 20 and you're getting an extra f- uh three uh five points of damage on top of that and you've added effort you could get some pretty deadly skills i can imagine it'd be a bit like savage worlds where people always spend their bennies at the end of a session you might get so. it with this like people are like right i really want to damage this boss so i'm dropping all my effort uh, on all of my, i don't care if it you know leaves me with zero and i fall on the ground after it's worth it so you could uh so yeah so your over so your overall power is referred to as t- in tears um, and then next up you get onto your in character creation you have to then uh, pick your descriptor type and focus nice uh, uh, so I'm looking at the types here yeah. and it's it's kind of like it's like it's more of an archetype than a class right yeah that's right and like for example for warrior it's got um, if you're playing fantasy slash fairy, t- fairy tale it can mm-hmm. be warrior fire swordsman knight but if you're playing superhero you can be a hero a brick a bruiser or modern horror or romance police officer soldier watchman I like this got romance Rome. oh yeah there's a whole section for romance nice yeah there's a whole section for romance So, but that's it so that's what I like about it so there's only four archetypes but any game should conceivably be, conceivably be able to drop into one of them areas so whatever character even though it's called warrior and you're thinking fantasy don't think of it like that just think of the actual type of person a warrior is yeah so you pick the archetype and then the descriptor so yeah so you pick your ar- ar- archetype and the four are yeah so as we said so your four classes or, or four four um, what did you say there were sorry not classes types types yeah exactly archetypes are warriors adepts explorers and speakers they're the okay. four 
Uh, remember, you have three. You have you have to treat these types as broad categories that uh, that any type of character could character would logically be able to fit into, um, and that, and the rest of the bits helps fine tune that. So mm. then your descriptor. So your descriptor defines your character completely. So it's the difference between say a um, charming explorer and a vicious explorer. Yeah. Do you see yeah. what I mean? So even though the explorer is still the same archetype, the descriptor then changes it completely, like character uh, character type and things like that. That's awesome. So check the descriptors out. There's loads in there, and they will give you kind of a they give you your flavour for your character once you've picked your. So archetype. you've got things like appealing. Yep. Beneficent. Brash. Yep. Clumsy. Clever. Chaotic. Exactly. So like with chaotic, it says you get plus four to your speed pool. You're trained in intellect defense actions. Once after each 10-hour recovery roll, if you don't like the first result, you can re-roll a die roll of your choice. Mm-hmm. If you do, regardless of the outcome, the GM presents you with a GM intrusion. Oh, I'm sure we'll get to that later. That a bit. Yeah, that's cool as well. So, yeah, and that's that part. And then your last part of your character creation is your focus. And that's basically, well, self-explanatory. It's the things your PC is really good at. So they are like special abilities that make your characters unique. They also give you advantages in game that you can pick from things such as rages, shepherds the community, stands like a bastion, works the back alleys, calculates the incalculatable, which I quite like, um, and cool things like that. So it's edges and hindrances, really. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so I then, like the works the back alleys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's so got you're a lot of certain. Perks. Is that part of the romance? Probably. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> works the back door. That's my joke. I got it in there. <laughs> that's lovely. Um, so yeah, again, so that gives you that gives your character more flavour, makes it more unique, and gives you perks and stuff like that. And then you've got skills. So there's skills like any other RPG. You pick your skills, and they come from obviously your focus will tell you what skills you can have and things like that. We're talking lots of skills. We're talking a small amount. There's a few. There's a lot of skills. There are tables and generators to help with backgrounds and. Uh, so your type will help determine your connections and you, uh, you have to the setting as well so again that all comes into character creation you might have connections within the world due to whatever um... there are also sections for flavour so you're able to fine tune your character uh, to any setting really easily yeah I've just seen this it's got like so you could have like sp- spell flavor mm-hmm. so, well any for any fantasy game you play spells any game that has magic in it is is, is, is classed as a fantasy game it doesn't have to be classic fantasy okay if it's got magic or something inexplicable in it it'll be classed as a fantasy game because it's got that kind of uh, supernatural element if you like well yeah because i guess Shadowrun is a fantasy game of course it is that's exactly. that bright series that nobody likes <laughs> exactly so yeah and you have the skills so there are tables and generators for backgrounds to help determine your connections like I said um, you can take drawbacks and penalties to gain advantages again much like Savage Worlds um the ability section, yeah, so the ability section has more than a thousand entries, so there are plenty to choose from. So if you go to abilities, you'll see in the top corner of the page, it'll be like A to A, you know, N to L, F or whatever. Yeah, I'm looking through this and now. bundles, absolutely bundles of abilities. Oh yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. So it's like uh, in, in your abilities, you've got attack skill or a companion is mm-hmm. one. So you yep. can have low tier, you've got a basic follower, beast companion, necromancy, a servo. Yep, servo. Um... Yeah, and then there's like there's like craft environment, so they all come under like categories. That's right. Yeah. There's, there's one called Meta that's got like fucking thousands. Meta's got loads. Yeah. Low they... tier in the Meta one, find the way, fists of fury. Yep. So these are more like uh, the Meta ones are a bit like like traits that are sort of um, cinematic type yeah. things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Deadly aim. Deep, deadly aim. Yeah. Deep resources movement etc yeah yeah it's pretty cool so uh and some abilities cost points magic users uh magic users and spells they would fall under abilities as well so that's where you get your spells from sweet so and that's pretty much character creation 
that's how you put a character together. That's not bad it's not at all. Not too bad. I think I know what you're you're saying that it's got a, a few little bits to it, but it's more just um, just picking things and then and then coming up with the character. I think I, I think when you look at it, it looks like there's a lot of rules, but it's not. It just really helps you kind of make your character unique. It's more like there's a lot of options rather than a lot you. of. It does a lot of work for you. Yeah. So I would say that I hate to say the word if you lack imagination, because for want of a better word, that's not. But that that that's got that book's got you covered. Yeah, because it's got a nice big list of shit to pick. Precisely. So if you're a little bit or a little bit nervous, maybe you're trying to a game setting that you're not used to then you can you know it help it really does help you out it also seems like you've got kind of um like that no two characters are going to be the same Precisely. with that amount of abilities and focuses and shit like this yeah. you know it's it, your character's going to be different every exactly time. and I, I mean i didn't read the whole book obviously because it's a big fucking book but um if you look at the character sheet at the back there's also a page next to it that says like your campaign um tracker and I've got a funny feeling that certain uh, descriptors and focuses are one person can have them, and you can't have two people having the same one. So it keeps the. Do you see what I mean? There's tick boxes. Oh yeah. So you can kind of figure out who's got what, and also I'm guessing that means that one guy can't have the same as the other guy's kid. Yeah, because it's got descriptors available. Yes. Yeah. So, so exactly. So that could make it quite cool. Maybe it's an optional rule uh, where you say you know only one person can have one descriptor, so keep everybody different. So, yeah, that makes sense. That's a cool. good way of doing shit. Yeah, actually. Exactly. So let's go on to more rules. So it's got similarities with other games uh, so in Call of Cthulhu you can push a roll right mm-hmm. uh, so in, in, in Cyber System you can retry a roll after a failure much like pushing a roll in Call of Cthulhu but you must apply at least one level of effort to do that okay so if so it comes with a cost and remember as we said one level of effort equals three points of whatever that stat pool is so it costs a bit so if you only got nine and you so if you're trying to force a door open yep. you fail yep. then you have to spend three might exactly. and one effort and if you've only got nine in might you're going down to six just to open that door that's a good point so you've got to kind of balance so I guess it out. If, as a GM the way I would say that goes down then is that you've, you force this door open so hard actually a good um, example of this is in the Mortal Kombat movie oh yeah when Jax has to force the door open but his arms like his robotic arms they sort of fail like he's really strong but because he's put all of his effort into doing this it's yeah. like damn it my arms ain't working anymore and they're all floppy behind his sides <laughs> Big old he has to get them replaced I think that might be the second movie but oh god yeah. they were good but who was who was, who was, I can't even, no that was no, Street Fighter Kylie Minogue was in Street John Fighter Van Damme, yeah. there, was, there was nobody recognisable in the Mortal Kombat movies but the first one was really fucking good <laughs> they are good aren't they they're alright films aren't no. Yeah, this is funny, stupid. If I remember rightly, the guy that plays Liu Chang, is it? it was Liu Kang. Liu Kang, sorry. Really yeah, he good. was awesome. Yeah. He was an actual martial artist. Yeah, which is, so. which is pretty it, awesome. Yeah. It was awesome. God, sorry, that's it. a side point. No, Mortal, Kombat, so. Mortal Kombat movies are a good film. Yeah, go check them out. More rules. So, you, yeah, so as I said, you can push the roll, got to spend one level of effort to do that, but you can re roll it. Um, GM can apply point costs to tasks as well, called initial tasks. So, uh, initial costs. So. Uh, this is an indication of how a task is particularly taxing. So let's say you know you want to climb a mountain. The GM can also turn around and say, just to attempt this, you got it's a two point cost just to attempt it because it's so hard. Because it's that hard. So you have the difficulty level and then a cost to even exactly. attempt even it. to attempt that. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So again, it gives the GM a little bit more. To, so again, so the GM's not rolling, but he's got quite a lot of um, little tools to his yeah mm. to, available to him to make things more interesting. So um, and so they can say yes, yeah, so it's it's got an initial cost just to show how difficult it is and they've got to pay up before they even attempt to do it. So it can make any task quite difficult if you want to. Yeah, and I I, I think what represents actual in-game, what it simulates is is like, it is like okay, you, you're, you're definitely going to exhaust yourself doing this a little bit. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, so you, that, like you said about the, the, like an old door trying to, trying to, 
really smash it open. Yeah. Like, it's like, yeah, you know it's possible, but only if you utterly exhaust yourself. Exactly. Or I guess it's another another kind of uh, situation might be where uh, the players are just coming out with stupid things that would be impossible. But it's like, yeah, cool. You can give it a, give it a shot by all means, but it's going to cost, it's you, gonna free cost you five effort. Yeah. It yeah. <laughs> exactly. So that's quite cool. So um, the, the book then goes in from that bit into situational rules. There's, bun- there's bundles in there. It's a bit like Savage Worlds really. It gives you mm. distance, attack, modifiers, actions. It's all in there. It's it, it, If you've already read Savage Worlds, you won't struggle in reading Cypher System. That's a good point, yeah, because it does a lot of things that those modern type games do. I guess GURPS isn't that modern, but GURPS, Savage Worlds... Yep. Um, the new shadow runs they have advantages and disadvantages exactly. and stuff like this yeah yeah it's it's i'm liking it there's so actions far. things like that so special actions attack actions you know the, the whatever there's, there's it's all in there so um so yeah and then right so let's move on to so if you're damaging uh, damage to pc sub, uh, pcs to subtract from their particular stat pool as we said earlier uh with one stat pool, when one stat pool gets to zero so say mike would go first once mike gets down to zero so if somebody hits you right in the mic uh, right in the mic and you take nine and that's all of it gone to zero hit me in the intellect hit me in the intellect you don't go down like in um uh, mutant year zero what will then happen is that it will then switch over to a, a, a pre-designated stat so once your mic runs out it'll then go to intellect if you're if you've got down to zero on might and you're now taking damage to intellect because might's gone uh, to zero, then you you take there's also a damage track, and that means you're track one. So basically, ultimately, once they all go to zero, you die. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So that means like if you're in a, if you're in a battle, somebody's hit you so hard like physically, yep. you're really really waning. Suddenly you just retreat into your brain. You're like, okay, can't feel the pain anymore. <laughs> yeah, Go exactly, to my happy place. Exactly. Yeah. Then they're hitting you right in the brain because they just won't stop. Exactly, and then that goes to zero, and then it goes into your speed. You're trying to crawl away, or whatever. Yeah, that's <laughs> really cool, man. <laughs> so it's a set order, and each time you hit zero on your stat, you go uh, you go down on the damage track until they're all zero, and then you die. That's fucking cool. Uh, and uh, there are also lots of listed optional rules, which is nice as well. So you've got a lot of little uh, house rules that you can put in there as well. Each section has um, recommended optional rules as well. So that's quite nice. Well, is it like, like for different genres and shit? Exactly. Okay, exactly, cool. Yeah. Uh, at any time, this is fun. So at any time during play, the GM can introduce an unexpected complication for a character. When they introduce it in this way, they must give uh, the player 2xp straight up. So it's called GM Intrusion. Oh, that's what that is. Yeah. So cool. GM can intrude at any time on a particular character, uh, but if they are going to intrude, they must give them two XP straight up. You get two XP for it. Okay. So it costs the GM. So the GM can't be doing it all the time because they're going to be leveling up their guys. So are there any examples of this yeah. type of thing? So, so that so basically when that happens, uh, first of all, the player must straight away give one XP to another player. Okay, so they get two XP, but they get one. Somebody else gets Someone one. Someone else gets one, exactly. Uh, the, uh, the player in turn must immediately give that one XP to another player and, and justify the gift. So they have to justify why. So often the GM introduces when a player attempts an action that should be an automatic success. So if something that should be so easy is going to be a zero, to make it a little bit more spicy, the, uh, the GM can introduce an, an intrusion to make it a little bit more difficult. So this kind of reminds me a little bit of... I don't know if it would be this big a thing, but you know, forget about it. It's, yeah. it's um, sort of the precursor to Wise Guys. Mm-hmm. And it was like, it's a pretty easy task. You just take the body out to the desert and then uh, and then you bury it. But there can be complications. Yeah. yeah. So it could be like, I don't know, as, as you get the body out of the car, 
yeah, of course, anyone can just lift the body. Two people can lift the body out of a car and just chuck it in a hole. Yeah. But just as you're getting it out, suddenly you just hear an officer come in and he's, he's just like, what's all that then? Yeah, exactly. And then now it's a difficult task. So. Yeah, that sounds cool. Yeah, exactly. And it doesn't have to be on level zero. But then I guess the person who initially lifted the body out gets 2XB, but he gives one of it to the other guy that's he's helping, helping him. Precisely. Yeah. That's exactly it. So things like that. And also, it doesn't have to be for like easy tasks. The GM can introduce an intrusion whenever they want. Yeah, he's doing um, an impossible task. Yeah. Worthy of might, but suddenly... The sun explodes. So, yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, and it, they can intrude whenever they want. The book says that the GM should intrude at least once per session, uh, but no more than once or twice um, each session per character. So don't go mad. So I guess it's I guess that kind of little bit of advice is to stop the GM from being a total dick. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. Every you know, there's certain types of GM that will just be like. Yeah, every time the players are going off the railroads, they're yeah. like, intrusion. Intrusion alert. Yeah. yeah. On, but all I was doing was opening a door. Yeah, but the door's made of acid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So anytime the GM intrudes, the PC can spend one XP to refuse the intrusions. You can say, fuck off. So so basically, if he tries to intrude, you can spend one of your own XP to say, no, I'm not having it. Don't worry. So, uh, but you would you still... Okay, but then you're already being given, t- or do you only no. get the two XP if it goes ahead? Yeah. Okay, so, that so, makes but, sense. But that also means that they don't get the XP for the intrusion. So basically, they get they, they it costs them to to stop it. That's cool, man. Yeah. So there's a little bit of both on both sides. A little bit of a uh, push and pull mechanic. But I guess. if the PC has no XP to spend, you cannot refuse the GM intrusion. Good. You have to take it. Good. You take, that, take that. Get bitch. back on the railroad. Yeah. Get that bitch. So XP is kind of like currency in this game. It's not quite as. Uh, it's not like your normal kind of XP. Just leveling up. It's almost like a currency. Um, you you spend it in player arcs, and depending on how developed your arc gets, you'll then get in-game benefits. So you might develop more connections to the world. It's all about building up your character, character. in the world. That's yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So XP's. It's. I mean, there's a whole section for XP and character arcs, and it's very different. It's not just like. You get to level two, you get this set amount of thing, or you can spend some stuff. You you pick from predestinated things, depending on how your arc's going. And also, your arc is for you, not for anyone else. It's not the game arc, it's your personal arc within that game. And it can change, you can take on more things that you want to do, maybe a, a story affects you in a way and it affects your arc. It's all about that narrative. I like any any game that encourages role playing. Totally. Man, I'm, I'm yeah, up for it. Exactly that. So player arts means, but so they can so they can invest in themselves and that in turn invest into great stories character depth and development in the whole world um story arts you could pick up so you pick one for free at the beginning and then you can pick additional ones later on so a pc's personal progression uh, can lead to more perks bonuses um story arc targets or if story arc targets become successful if you do what you're after, trying to do in your arc uh, gives you a little bit more kind of investment in yourself as well so if like what's some examples of like a story arc then check do, it out do you get I'm... to okay I'll, I'll turn to the page have a quick look I just don't want to catch him in bed with a goblin but if he's in there rolling around hacking him up and he's got a goblin guide you know taking him into the cave I'm not expecting him to not get dirty so I'm, I'm looking at the um, story arcs in the book we've got things like assistant organisation you set out to accomplish something that will further an organization. You're probably allied with them or they're rewarding you for your help in some fashion. Mm-hmm. Opening. Responding to the call, you work out all the details of what's expected to you and rewards, if any, you might get. You also get the specifics of what's required to join in advance. There's also birth. You are becoming a parent. Oh, yeah. So, and if you achieve them in the game, then you get... You, you get, you get the, the you shit that's on the here. shit that comes with it, yeah. So... Um, so the, do you, when you complete one of these, do you get to pick a new one? Uh, I guess so, yeah. Yeah, you can have more. So you get one for free when you start. 
and then you can uh, you can then uh, acquire more as you progress. Yeah, these are really great. They're cool, aren't they? And the GM can also give out GM awards whenever they want. So it's again, it's like currency. Uh, you can reward your players with GM uh, with XP. And they could be for discovering a new part of the town. Uh, new discoveries will often invoke XP, GM rewards, stuff like that. Great. Uh, and like, yeah, and then, and then that's like currency. You build up your XP, and then that's how you spend it on your arcs and stuff, which is quite cool. Um, the book then after that then leads on to genres, and it is jam packed. Each genre section is probably about eight pages long. It's got uh, and it, it looks pretty huge actually. Yeah, I'm going to the section. So you got fantasy. You got modern, you got science fiction, horror, romance, superheroes, post-apocalyptic, fairy tale, and historical. So tell me a game don't fit into one of them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a good point. So anything you can imagine, a game, the game's got you covered in some way here. I think I, 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 I don't know what who who plays romance games though. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad they put it in there. There is even a picture here of. Uh, a two, uh, a, a lovely couple. One of whom is pregnant. The other one's got his arms around her. Gorgeous. Great artwork. But the, it's just weird. Like, it, imagine us sitting down playing a romance right, game boys. together. <laughs> Our boys were playing romance this week, and I'll it was do so, that now. Do not. No, let's see. But well, I can make it a sick romance. I mean, but then you know, true romance. The film is a romance. But in it's a not. way exactly. so is Phantom of the Opera I there guess. you go exactly yeah. so it's how you it's how you portray it I guess yeah. um, I just want to I just want to play a game like uh, EastEnders or um, uh, Neighbours you know what I mean <laughs> like, a bunch that... of incels trying to get a girlfriend <laughs> yeah, well, that would be a good <laughs> it's like it's not romance it's forced romance <laughs> oh my god we're treading on dodgy territory yeah. you sir are arrested for <laughs> forced romance forced romance <laughs> the book then goes into detail about of each genre uh, gives you tips uh, on running them you know how to run each each genre and it mentions as, as I said earlier it mentions that any type of game with magic in it would be deemed as a fantasy game but don't think fantasy in its kind of descriptive term mm -hmm. as a kind of a broad term um, the genre section also have uh, fret tables which is nice um, even in the modern one there's a whole teenage fret table or kid fret table so if you're doing a bit of a tales of the loop thing you've got a whole table in there just for that pretty cool so uh, what, do the, what are the threat tables about then is it just like little twists and just, shit that you yeah, can hooks, in there? things like that yeah just nice. gives, gives you a little bit of um, you know putting a story together and stuff and uh, like I said each genre section will come with optional rules to help fine tune a game like the horror section has a horror rule that's optional I guess it's kind of like a, a Call of Cthulhu-esque type thing that's pretty cool yeah, yeah I'm looking at the post-apocalyptic one yep it's got wasteland threats you roll a d10 and it's got a, a dilapidated infrastructure the building underpass tunnel or cave collapses oh that's cool yep animate vegetation <laughs> could you got a lot worse in the aftermath creatures that fail a speed defense will take four points of damage each around from strangulation and vine constriction <laughs> vine constriction not bad yeah so that goes and then you've got all them areas like i said massive book and then the next section the gm section um, it's got it's got a nice nice big beastery area in it. Yeah, I was just looking at uh, that with a large selection of different types of creatures. So it, again, it's um, you know there's a there's a deep one in there. It's got time travel as a genre. Yeah. Oh yeah, look, I'm looking at the monsters here. There's one vat reject. <laughs> it's like a it's like a horrific clone. It's like part metal, part beast. Look at this oh, yeah. thing. With war droid. War droid. I think that's like a. Um, no, it's like a wardrobe <laughs> that has become no. That this is sentient. See, this is why I don't make the jokes. You know, it's <laughs> uh, got a big thing of NPCs as well. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, loads for that. Um, as I said, it comes with optional rules. Nice big bestiary. Uh, Mighty wizard. Mighty wizard. Yeah, I saw him. <laughs> uh, and then after that, it comes along to again. There's a whole section for ciphers. Like I said before, there's there's ones in there you can make. There's an area to write your own ciphers and stuff. Uh, again, and they're like. Um, <clears throat> 
one use items if you like yeah and it's got um it's got like d100 tables for all of them yeah yeah subtle cipher table mm-hmm. if you're on a 55 that's a motion sensor oh or perfection but i guess if you were trapping it mm-hmm. the motion sensor if you're playing say classic fantasy game that could be that you suddenly like everything goes quiet and you can hear what the movement in other rooms or exactly. something like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. That's really clever. So yeah, it comes with, like I said, it comes with a nice long list of ciphers in there, or you can make your own. And then the book then goes into running the game. So it's a nice little section at the end about how to run a good cipher game. Um, section called rules, and there's a nice little bit that I really like that says um, rules versus story, mm. and it says that it explains that the rules are very generic in their design, and it's the flavour and the trappings that make everything the way it is. So. A good example would be um, there's no difference between a judo roll and a brawling roll. Right. Because you're rolling exactly the same. The mechanics but about change, trappings. but it's how you say it. So if you're doing so, so like even even within boxing. So if, if, like, so if I made a, um, a boxer versus a kung fu guy, yep. it's like, okay, the mechanics are the same, but, you, but when I describe my action, it's either I go for a right hook or I go for a, a roundhouse. Exactly. You know? Exactly. You've nailed it. And well, it see, doesn't. Because we, we're used to that anyway. I mean, yeah. we do it in other games that don't suggest it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but like Savage Worlds and GURPS. And all of these things they, they they're kind of similar mm-hmm. and that's the thing that people should do in every game I think so. but i think i like it when it's encouraged because it yeah. means that you often get players like okay you know in savage worlds or, or, or a game like this shooting is the same thing right yeah. but you're like well my character's not a rocket launcher guy he's yeah. a silenced pistol guy you if go. you're playing james bond yeah. you know yeah and your pistol's always going to do say six damage regardless of what it is so, yeah or it's medium or heavy that's the easy part about it so yeah, like I said, so like judo rolls, brawling, it's all the same role. It's about the flavour and the character and the narrative that makes it feel different. Um, it helps for a very story-centric game. And, and, and again, it doesn't, get, it doesn't bog you down in specifics. You're not looking up a certain rule for a judo kick. It's just always going to be the same stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. That's really good. And that's what I like about it. And I'll be, I'll be honest with you, yeah, I'm really impressed with it. I think it's, uh, it, it's right up my alley for a, a nice, easy, lazy game if I want to. Well, that, uh, it, I, I do enjoy, I, I love actually player-facing games. Yeah. Like, um, like Tales from Luke mm-hmm. is one of my favourites because all you do as a GM is focus on cool story things. Exactly. You want to uh, hand out extra XP, you know, you can do this intrusion or yeah. you want to add something cool, then they can get a cipher and it can be yeah. anything yeah. like... It's just, it seems like the whole thing is based around making these, like, actions seem cool. Yeah. And what I like, what I really, really like about the book as well is the um, the way it includes all of the settings in there. Yeah, that's what I was what just I, flipping that, through yeah. it just now. And what's cool is it's got extra gear for the settings. Yeah. You yep. don't have to buy all of these books, no. man. So they you might... just need that book. That's what's, that, that is very, very cool. And maybe that's why now, remember when we were talking off, off mic before we yeah. started, you said, oh, you know, I want to pick it up, but it's quite expensive. But I can get this because this is the type of book you just need this. Yeah. You don't need anything else. You, you, I mean, they might come up with settings in little supplements, but yeah. the point is, is you don't need them. Every setting will still fit into that blueprint in mm. some way. Well, I also like the way, one of the things I find cool about this system is often in D&D, for example, as a baseline, it will say twenty five. Uh, a twenty. A roll of twenty five is impossible, mm-hmm. right? Try telling that to a player that's like level eight, right? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, in yeah. this, you've got a roll of a thirty, and it means that players can attempt things mm-hmm. that they that should otherwise be impossible. And also, I mean, it will it will it will push them to remember what type of perks they've got because mm. their perks are what determines whether they can bring that target number down. Yeah. So yeah. rather than just being a passive kind of move that you choose to use whenever you want, you've got this effort and edge, which basically means that. 
you know, if you remember them and make sure you, you you only got, you might have to apply a little bit of effort and bring that impossible task down to a, a task that can be done. Can be possible. But that's yeah. what's cool about it. So the GM can present really big challenges, and instead of it just being this thing happens in the story, you could be like, okay, for, I mean, it's a kind of a shitty example, but there was a thing that was happening the other day that was pretty much impossible. Yeah. Where even though our character Ryan in the D and D game, he has a belt of giant strength, oh, yeah. he couldn't pull the. Uh, he's got plus five in strength, but the way I did it is you, you roll, you roll and he couldn't pull the um, the gate off mm. but in this game you can go look I know that this is a 30 well it's a 10 difficulty meaning yeah. I got hit what? thirty, right? Yeah. but and then you a, could just go there's a free cost just to attempt but it but you just go I want to free this I fucking guy I'm yeah. spending 12 effort and I'm fucking doing this yeah. and you yeah. just you put you pull off the doors you right? might faint from it because you go down to zero exactly might, yeah. but you've done it I, I've always liked that as well like because Shadowrun has something similar where you can push spells to be more powerful oh my god I'll never and forget that you can faint thing. the electric thing what was that Peter when he was just like Oh, he's a f- he's a fucking idiot. No, no, he was he went like in ten power or something. Yeah, because I, I, it's the first time this guy had ever played Shadowrun, and we they went into this um, really posh restaurant and started yeah, robbing everyone. Yeah. He jumps up on the table. He's like, right, give me all your shit. His hands start sparking with electricity, <laughs> and I just go, how much power do you want to put behind this? Bear in mind, just using one is quite powerful. He goes, yeah. I don't know. 10 and I was like okay <laughs> okay fine and he basically set off an electrical storm yeah. inside of this place yeah. and then fainted yeah. later on he also did that where he, he was falling off of a plane which is which is really stupid like I'm like you're not surviving this man and he goes um he actually had a spell I can't remember what it was or a device or something that mm. would make him fall slower but he was like fuck it just in case I take any damage I'm going to heal myself on the way down and I go how much power do you want to put into he's like I don't know 10 and I'm like oh my god this again <laughs> so he's, he's fallen towards the ground and then he heals himself and faints immediately so and then just dies as he hits the floor <laughs> oh, but I like that because it's, it's sort of it's a very cinematic thing that's not often represented in RPGs and I think this cipher system does it really well because you I like the fact that if there's something you really want to do, you can push yourself to the limit where you're going to be out for a couple yeah, of weeks. Yeah, yeah, like, it can happen, yeah. Like, if you need a really big spell to go off, if you need a really big hit to go off, like, there's this mech, you know, yeah. it's almost impossible to yeah. hit, but you want to damage it, so you put all of your effort behind this one big punch and bam, and then, yeah. then it goes down, but yeah. so do you. And you might hit a 20 and get the extra damage. And what I can imagine as well is rather than people checking for, you know, like I said, you're not going to get people having to look up things in the book constantly. Yeah. But what I can imagine is quite a few conversations where the task is presented and then there's this discussion where people are kind of figuring out how they can help this move. Yeah, somebody can... somebody goes like, I'm putting fucking 10 effort behind this and everyone's like, what? No, don't do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And before you know it, you know, you're, this target level's going up and down and then when it finally finishes, everyone's holding their breath waiting to see if it can be accomplished or not. Your stats in this game are almost like a... Um... Uh, they're, they're uh, almost like a currency as well it's rechargeable yeah. but yeah. it's like your health your stats all mm-hmm. of this it comes into it's like one big homogenous ball yeah. that creates yeah, yeah, your character yeah, yeah. and yeah. I, I quite like that as, cool. a, as a mechanic seems fucking brilliant it man. does look good and you have your max stats so your might might be a max of 10 to start with and then you can only ever go up to 10 but obviously you've then got your pull which determines how much effort you're putting in and your edge bonuses and your, your ciphers just seen on the back that this this game I think is the, is the generic version I did think this when we started the review but I didn't want to say it but I think it's the generic version of Numenera which is a fantasy game, That's right. I think. And The Strange, which I yeah. think is like a, a, a world-hopping game. Not sure, yeah. They've always mentioned them two. But yeah, so, they, so, it's the, so it's the savage worlds of them two games, if you like. And it's nice as well, because I've I got to be honest, I, as much as I love things like Savage Worlds and um, 
the, like uh, games that aren't D20. Mm-hmm. I do love a D20 game, yeah, yeah. and that's why that's why I think this is going to be great. Yeah, it's going to be fun. You roll a couple of other dice for whatever reason. I think it uses a D100 for certain stuff. But yeah, for ciphers it does. Yeah, for ciphers and that. But the main thing is, yeah, you're rolling that D20. But it's that because t- when I read it about target number and stuff, I was like, oh god, is that going to be difficult on the fly? But it's not. You just times it by three. Is there a GM screen you can get of it? Pass. Not sure actually. I have to check that out. Well, because uh, but I guess the, the difficulty is easy enough to say. Well, I wonder why it is though that that you. The difficulty is from 1 to 10, but you multiply that number by 3. Because you're rolling D20, I guess. I, I guess know. so, but why not just have the other numbers? Yeah, that's uh, true. But then I guess all it is is as simple as just printing out that little, little table it, yeah. and then just having it in front of you. Yeah, exactly. And everyone, and if you've got one on the player side as well, because the because the GM's not rolling everything, you, it's, you know what the, the he just says right. It's, that's a that's a level that's a level four task. I've always found that player facing games do lead to great um, great stories I as bet. well, and yeah. I think this one like the way that the way that it kind of works with that sort of buying stuff off and a GM can do intrusions yeah. as well. It's like, it actually has sort of a inbuilt thing for sort of GM fiat type things where you can just be like, okay, look, I want this story to get more interesting. Here's a thing. Yeah. It's yeah, like, yeah. A, and also because it's Monty Cook, it's a bit of a cross between a story game and an RPG. Yeah, totally. You know what I mean? Totally. And it really put and it really, really does from the, the whole way through the book, it does say that, you know, it's rules light. This is a narrative storytelling game. Mm. Um, push the narrative and, and like the story arcs make you get invested in the story regardless because you're part of that world. I think it's cracking. I mean, obviously we've got to put it to the test. But on paper, I love the look of it. Well, because you're trying to trying to um, feel out something to do a campaign of Destiny, the video game. Yes, yes. I think this would be a good. I think this would be a good fit. I, I mean, Destiny's yeah. not. It's, it's it's got a great, great, great story in the background. Mm-hmm. But then you can insert a bit more character into it using yeah. the system. Yeah. And and I think a lot of those things like Destiny it will kind of flesh it out a little mm-hmm. bit. For example, if you're the Titan and you're using a barrier ability. Yeah. And then you can you can spend your own stats on it because you really want to protect the party. Yeah, things like this. I think it's going to be. Yeah. What it seems to me is it's like it's a game about dramatic moments. Totally. And yeah. That I think sounds and great. And that's Destiny. Also, another great thing. I mean, what is the bit? You know, it's a loot a shooter, Destiny, right? So I'm guessing ciphers perfect thing for loot. Isn't yeah, it? totally. Yeah. You're absolutely right. So yeah, so we're going to check it out. But obviously, test run at SavageCon. Do uh, Savage Destiny, and if that goes all right, then maybe uh, port Destiny to Cipher. Cipher. Yeah, yeah I, I like it, man. Thanks like for bringing it? that. No, not Thanks at all, for bringing that. that was fun. I didn't. I didn't manage to pop off many jokes during that because, as I said, I'm not actually that funny. So I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna try to do one now. Yeah, go. Knock, knock. Who's there? Boo. Uh, uh, boo who? Stop crying, man. It's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get on to the next segment. <laughs> oh, dear. What the hell, that man? I, I, I don't know. What the hell is that? I, I don't like it, man. What that? Uh, what that, man? What that? Run away! <laughs> 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 what that? All right, so this is what that. What I've done is I've created RPG soundscapes for the mind. I've basically just made some noises on my computer, and they all relate to either RPG products, RPG terms, RPG situations, mm-hmm. and Nick has to figure out what they are. So this is the first sound. Oh, I won. Unlucky, mate. Oh, oh man, that's bad. Man. Sorry, that mate. Can he do it? Can he do it? Oh, oh yes. Nice. Yes. Oh, that sounds to me like a Benny roll. No, unfortunately not. You're wrong. Oh. Um, this was. This is the sound of somebody rolling a one, oh, that's what spending I was inspiration, then getting a twenty. Ah, 
that was me. Yeah, <laughs> that happened the other day in the game. That was remarkable. We had some oh, incredible boy. rolls God. the other day in the DVD game. And I used the game. same dice the following week, and they were trash. <laughs> yeah, everyone thought because he's got these like yellow dice, and we thought they were like they were like gifted in some way. Because <laughs> yeah. there was a point where I said to Nick, I was like, okay, he was in such a dire situation, he was hanging over the edge of a volcano into the lava. His feet were like cooking, yeah. and I said, okay, well you've got a you've got a roll. You've got a, one more roll, or you're gonna die, you're basically. Dead. And um, he rolled a twenty. Yeah, and, yeah. It was <laughs> just crazy. Survives. But here's the next sound. Hit me. You stand in the cave of goblins. They look at you angrily, charging forward, their daggers at the ready. I'm going to take your things. One of them says. He lunges at you. What do you do? I wanna stab that goblin. Then I wanna lose that goblin. Meet the Pete, I'm gon' peek. Somebody pass the chips, please. I wanna stab that goblin. Then I wanna lose that goblin. I need to pee, I'm gon' peek. Somebody pass the chips, please. I've actually forgot what I was doing. I was so wrapped up in the music. That's great. <laughs> Somebody grab that <laughs> Um, Oh my god, what is that? Fucking D&D hip hop. Um. Well, D&D hip-hop isn't a thing, so I'll allow you one more guess. Oh. It's it's this game situation. I'll give you that clue. Oh, it's not a bard attacking, is it? No, unfortunately not. <laughs> this was the Rat sound bard. of... Um, uh, so it was him describing a situation yeah. and then some mumble rap. So when yeah. somebody mumbles what they want to do and you, oh, right. and you can't figure out what they wanted to do. <laughs> so what are you going to do? It's usually my brother. <laughs> <laughs> I want to serve that goblin. <laughs> All right, next that sound. Needs to be released, that song. Having dealt with the goblin problem, you return home back to your village where you are given a hero's welcome. People lie in the streets applauding and handing you bread and ale whilst patting you on the back. And there are children. What the fuck? Jesus! Can you can you shut the fuck up? <laughs> oh my god! I oh know. He's like, yeah, loud eaters at the fucking table. That's yep. There was a guy that used to be in our group, and it was always he'd get a fucking wedge of crisps, put them in his mouth, and you do this. And he's always at the most like dramatically unappropriate times. Always. Like, you know, you open the door and you see. My brother as well, man. He's fucking burping at the table. Like he's I, every time he drinks a fizzy drink, he does these burps. But he always tries to make it sound funny, and it's fucking annoying. <laughs> it's just horrible, man. He's horrible. Right, next one. Go. That's it. Go for the chin. No, 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 not like that. Oh bloody hell! This isn't going well at all. Uh, don't worry, guys. I've got this. So what would you say that was the sound of? That's a bard. <laughs> that is a bard. Yeah, it's pretty much... Dishing it. out hills. Dishing out hills during a fight, yep. <laughs> yeah. And we got one more sound for you here. Awesome. Far over the misty mountains cold, the dungeons deep and caverns old. We must await ear break of day to find our long forgotten gold. The pines were roaring on the heights, the winds were moaning in the night. Fire was red, it flaming spread, the trees like torches blaze with light. Since I heard you were here, I thought I'd invite you all as my guests. But you can't get in unless you would togepi and me. Those are the rules. Oh my god. Bit of a weird one, that one. It's pretty sick. What is, I don't know. I've no idea. It, it sounds like Pikachu at the end. <laughs> You're on the right lines. <laughs> Pokemon battle. 
<laughs> okay, so that was a bit of a weird one. I didn't think you'd get it. So it's a dubstep backing track. Yeah. And over the top, I rapped the lyrics to the dwarf song from Lord of the Rings, The Misty Mountains. And then there was a clip of Misty from Pokemon talking. Misty, of course. So it's Misty Step. Dubstep, Misty. Very good. That should be a uh, like a like a cryptic cl- uh, crossword clue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's really good. Very good. It's like the woman from Pokemon doing a popular form of electronic music. That's what you need to do. Misty Start step. doing mad mash- mashups. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's uh, that's what that. Did I win? Uh, well, I think you got one right. So that was a, that was a high loss. I'll take that with me. That was a big <laughs> big loss. Damn it. Right. Next. So this is Jim Bim Salabim, one of the stupidest named segments ever. It was named after the fact that the players at our table always come up with stupid terms for things, uh, one of them being Jim Bim Salabim. So um, what what this segment is, is I'm going to give you some gaming terms and you have to try and decipher which ones are real and which ones are fake okay so um this time we're doing cyberpunk edition Ooh. these are cyberpunk terms mm-hmm. and yeah you've got to figure out which ones are real and which ones are fake it's yeah. because we you know we recently completed cybersprawl classics yes. completed it yeah um, like a game. first one bioroid <laughs> uh i think that's that's real Yep, that is real. Yeah. That is somebody that's got so much cyberware that they're now considered to be a cyborg um, but they were originally a person. That's a bioroid. <laughs> nice. Next one, Mongonaut. <laughs> I already know that's a Jim Bim Salabim. That is a Jim Bim Salabim. Sorry. <laughs> Mongonaut. <laughs> Next one, Borged. You got Borged, bruv. Um, real? Yeah, that is real. Yeah. I can't remember what that one was, but I think it's somebody has been killed. You've Borged You've got them. Borged, mate. Next one, Ferryman. <sighs> Jim Bim Salabim. No, this is real. This is a ferryman. Is somebody in the cyberpunk universe that that um, braves the the horrific streets to deliver shit. So okay. not like a postman, but it could be somebody delivering dodgy materials. And courier. they have to yeah. Whatever. So it's a courier. Yeah, yeah. yeah I gotcha. Next one, Grungmonger. That's you. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> I always got to put one like that in there. Scissor boy. Oh, scissor boy. Yeah, go on. That's real. What is that? No, that's not real. Ah, it sounds real, though. It does sound real. The next one is Gillette, <laughs> as in the razors. I think that's real. It is real, yeah. and it's it's somebody that uses a samurai sword. Despite okay. the fact that everyone walks around with guns, this guy uses a samurai sword. He's a Gillette. He's a Gillette. He's a slicer. Ram Jammer. Ram Jammer. Uh, real? That is real. Yes. That's, that's another name for a hacker that gets past thick security. Ah, you're a Ram Jammer. You Ram Jammer past it. Uh, leg Negger. That's Negger, by the way, N E G G R. Yeah, uh, that's real. No, that's, that's fake. fake. That's fake. <laughs> I just I was trying to make it sound a bit like Ram Jammer. Yeah. The very last one is Ray Ban mode. <laughs> Ray Ban mode. Do you know what? I think it's real. It is real, and it's when you when you sort of when you're out on on the streets and yeah. you're about to do a stealth mission. Mm-hmm. You put your sunglasses on, you pop your collar up, that's rainbow mode. Ray-ban mode. Rainbow mode. <laughs> no, rainbow mode would be the exact opposite. Yeah, Ray-ban mode Ray-ban is going mode. into stealth gotcha. mode. Gotcha, yeah, yeah, putting your shades on. I like it. So that's our cyberpunk Jim Bim Salabim. They're very yeah. nice. Yeah, I do, I do think, I, I do like the term Gillette. It's sort that's of like cool. a, it's sort of like an insult for people that use a sword for some reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, Gillette. Yeah, you're right, Gillette. Um, so next up, we're going to get into electro letters. Yeah. Let's do this. In the future, you will be able to send a letter or parcel from anywhere on the planet. This, sir, is the Electro Letter. 
So for this Electro Letters, we asked you to send in your gaming problems and we'll solve them like an agony on That's it. Yeah, 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 like Dear Deirdre. Yeah, yeah, so it's D and Deirdre. Oh. Yeah. There you go. That's good. Hey. All right, so the first one is from Timothy Peer. He says, how do I get my fellow players to do things instead of just react? They, while not new to RPGs, are new to AD&D. Ooh. So I've heard, I've actually heard this problem happen before, where often the GM will describe a big thing, you know, like he'll describe the whole scene, the battle, what's going on, and the players just sit there. And I think what this boils down to is players not knowing when they can jump in. And the answer to that is whenever the fuck you like. Yeah, and I think you should just... Um, he's probably told his players, you know, just jump in. Yeah, just yeah, jump yeah. in. Off, and off that it, puts pressure on you. Yeah. If there's a silence after... Especially if you've delivered such a, a, a rousing kind of description... And then the dust settles and it's like, so... And you know nobody wants to do anything. Because they're scared. (laughs) A good way is just to ask, um, what do you want to do? And that that way you can just get people to do something. But often it will feel forced. Uh, Maybe another piece of advice would be encourage your players to ask questions about shit. Because I often do. I'll be like, um, you know, that tree you mentioned, is it... I don't know. Is it what way is it facing? Yeah, or... you could also be like, like, um, uh, for example, in the ETU game the other day, um, when you guys um, got up to their their rooms or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So somebody was um, suggesting they wanted to shit inside their sorority girls' pillow and yep. stuff like this. I said, do you want to investigate the room or anything? You're, that that you can do. Point them in the right. Yeah, that's direction. true. Give them little. Give them little. Are you sure, or are you finished in this room? Have you done everything? You that's another do good here? one. That's yeah, another one. Yeah. So I mean, you... I probably take a bit too much poetic license sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I, I find in my games, for example, and I basically think this should be the same in all games, um, I encourage people, if I'm midway through a description and you want to jump in, please do. It. Do. do it. Because yeah. it's often acting impulsively that can happen. Yeah. So tell your players that, and often they'll come up with cool shit. Like a very good example is in one of Spoonie's old videos when he talks about how these guys are in, infiltrating a thieves' base, and they were going in there, they fucked everyone up, and then suddenly this, the door opens slowly, and the player, and he's just about to finish his description, the player just goes, I throw acid in his face! <laughs> and it happened to be this god that, that, that just was walking into the room casually. Hey guys, ah! And that started something up. Yeah. Like, So I would say, yeah, it, like Nick said, like prompt people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So mention, if, if people aren't reacting to what you said, give them a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So say, for example, that they're, they're at a party trying to figure out, you know, who who the bad guy is mm. and they just go and they, they haven't got any clues to go on just go you've ended the description and you just go but there's this one guy in the corner he's looking he keeps taking drinks a punch and just looking at everyone he's not talking to anyone and then that, that it might mm-hmm. just be that they currently haven't got enough to go on it also is an etiquette thing, you know. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't know when the GM description is finished. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And just just tell them. They can jump in whenever they like, mid-description. Unless yeah. it's really important, I might say, just give me a minute One and set. I'll finish. Yeah, but exactly. more often than not, yeah. just a Nine l- times out of ten, it'll be, yeah, we're interject with something, and then you'll be like, yeah, no, there is. There, yeah, whatever. I mean, I, and I've played with GMs who don't like doing that, and it's really fucking annoying. Nah. Like I, there was one time where we, I was playing a game, and we'd just come across this temple. There were monsters outside the temple, and... Uh, um, as soon as we saw them, as soon as it came out that there were monsters there, I went, fuck it, I hide in a bush. <laughs> and the GM was like, okay, cool, you hide in a bush. And uh, by the way, you're not getting an action during combat because you chose to do something that made sense. I don't know, it's like, okay, fair <laughs> enough. How dare you? Because as, as far as I'm concerned, that's the eyes through which you see the world. Yeah. I'm, I'm jumping in the bush. I yeah. mean, we've got off a point here, no, but anyway. No, but you're right. And uh, so yeah, and I'm sure I'm sure Tim's a, 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 a good GM and he's able to say it. But yeah, just a little bit of prompting. So Terry Hansen, he comes in and he says, whenever I play, I develop a stress and Induced, stress-induced rash with satellite hives. 
What would you recommend to help alleviate this problem? Some pre-game yoga, taking Xanax, smoking copious amounts of marijuana, breathing techniques to use at the table, or taking a warm bath infused with the blood of my enemies. Thanks for the help. <laughs> I think he's, he's been a little bit silly there, yeah. but I think what we can do is answer, if you're playing or GMing, mm. how can you deal with nerves? nerves. Yeah. Um, not alcohol. <laughs> Yeah, that doesn't help. I've been doing that for the past four years, and I've noticed recently that as I've stopped drinking, my games are getting better. So um, <laughs> now you're enjoying them more. That's the difference. That's true. Because um, when you're a bit drunk, everything just feels like it's going past you at a thousand miles. Yeah, and I do it to to cope with nerves. Yeah, then, yeah. Same. Also, don't smoke weed. Don't no, don't that can drink. kill a game. It can. Mm. Uh, maybe have a beer or a little little puff on a on a weed joint, if that's what they call them. But ultimately, I'd say the thing with nerves is is this. You know how there's this, the difference between confidence and not having confidence yeah, is yeah. is realistically, if you're faking confidence, nobody can no tell the difference. Yeah, no one. Knows. Uh, so just just it sounds a bit new age and shit like this, but just convince yourself, give yourself that confidence, pretend to be confident and mm-hmm. just, just give it your all and eventually you it will, will just come confident. naturally. And also one thing which I'm a nightmare for is when I get a bit nervous, I I will stutter and I'll talk really quickly. And if you feel like you're doing that and you're doing a description or GMing in any kind of way, just take a second pause between each thing slow yourself down and then you'll yeah just be like yeah just well. just yeah just, they will, the, your players will sit and happily wait for you to finish what you're doing it just chat amongst like you yourself, should yeah. be talking really quickly when you don't need to i'd also say another one another re- very very good technique for dealing with stress is never ever or at least unless it's really important try not to look up rules during a game yes absolutely because that's just that's only going to heighten your stress because first of all you're like oh fuck i don't know the rule and, and you'll just you... go blind because you'll look at that book and because you're stressed you will go trying to find it so quickly anything. that's it that always yeah. happens yeah so uh, uh, for, at the best just say right we're doing a rule now and we'll resolve it next game yeah. for example this makes sense there was one there was one that i did recently in the D game where you guys were doing a skill challenge mm. so you had to get three successes mm-hmm. before three failures and uh norman who's the warlock said he wanted to cast a spell so he should have just rolled his spell ability but I just on the spot I just said fuck it give me an arcane roll mm. next session I went okay I realised my mistake now I've looked it up but have start the game with an inspiration and then we'll, we'll, we'll say no more about yeah, it yeah that's it and but, it's not a test you know no one's testing your GM prowess if you don't know all the rules no one's expected to know every single game inside out and especially if you play different systems like we do yeah you know even Savage Worlds is stuff that we learn still yeah to this day yeah so don't stress don't stress and, and yeah just just uh, I would say like it's stupid but I have a bit of a pre-game ritual whenever I'm GMing because I do get quite nervous mm. is that I um I just listen to some music mm-hmm. and as I'm heading to the game and just think over the game a little bit before yeah, I get there precisely. so I know I've got it straight in my yeah, head yeah. as well as on the paper also yeah take notes but somebody's got a, uh, a question about that later okay Yorkus Rex he hey. says I sometimes feel I'm too good at running games <laughs> like intimidatingly good no strike that I'll just have to struggle through that one on my own <laughs> instead I sometimes feel that I'm a bit disorganised of keeping session notes what are some good systems for keeping my sessions organised both during the game and outside the game um, you, you got any ones about this because you take probably more notes than I do I take too many notes and then my new thing now that I do is I will put together a brief outline of how I think the session's going to look Yeah, and then I'll leave it loose so um, so it's not it's not, I don't railroad myself um, which I used to worry about doing all the time yeah I get you um, and then what I do uh well, note-wise, I would just say a good one is always the name pool is always good. Have a bunch of names on a piece of paper. Definitely. Yeah, um, yeah. And then as they as you as you create an NPC, just scratch it off. And also have a separate sheet for all your kind of 
players or people in that world, so they're easy to go to. Yeah, I do that. And uh, another and one, your note taking is really good. It's gotten better because I've started doing it recently mm. to, to make my life a little bit easier. What I do nowadays is even if I'm running a pre-made adventure, I boil it down to a one sheet. Oh, and your flowchart me- method's really good. Yeah, too. well, that I nicked off of Dungeon Craft actually, yeah. but yeah, it's a it's a great method because if you think the adventure can go off rails at certain points, draw it like a flowchart. Yep. So, for example, if the woman's if this uh, if they're being given a task by a witch or something to go and and hunt down some relic, right? Yep. She gives you the task, you refuse, mm-hmm. right? Then do another flowchart of how they might discover if they it later. Say no, this is what happens. If they say no, she might pressure them into doing yep. it, but yep. or or something, whatever. But you you write your adventures like a flowchart. Mm-hmm. and also boil them down to a one sheet so that's yeah. two sides of paper yeah. and what I do now because uh, we're playing D&D and a lot of it is dungeon crawls like I'll have one side of the page with a dungeon on it mm-hmm. and instead of writing out massive descriptors uh, or, or bringing the adventure book with me if yeah. I'm running a pre-made I'll just write an arrow pointing to the room with a couple of words mm-hmm. for example um I might just write smells awful and then that will prompt me to describe it during the game yeah. or and I might just write 100 GP in the corner of the room or yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. just things like that just the important stuff and just the important just, bits you just dress it up yeah and I, I, I recently ran the adventure that we did in the tomb yeah. of the of the old uh, mummy yeah. was uh, from a book called Dark Hold Goblin Adventures Ooh, I just yeah. took the tomb out of that mm-hmm. and uh, yeah so what I did is I drew the map of the tomb on one side of the page and then I had all of the notes and the way the story might go on the other side of the page and all the descriptors just next to the rooms mm-hmm. on the map I drawn mm-hmm. yep. and just react to what the players do don't kind of make them act on what you've got as for taking notes outside of the game do you ever do that no not abs- uh, well, only not like pre- after the game like things have happened oh um, if uh, as if for me yeah I'm quite good at that so if I've got so if, if, if there's something that pops up or a decision is made that might not seem like it's important at the time but as a GM you think oh that could be really interesting later on I will make a quick note on a piece of paper in front of me just so I don't that's what it. I do like I got I, for example there was a recent game where one of you guys licked a frog yeah and I wouldn't have that sort of maybe come back at some point exactly and also you swallowed a bunch of black gunk I so did, literally yeah. all I did all I wrote down was Nick swallowed gunk yeah. Ryan licked toad exactly and that, that was yeah. it but that will give you a little seed and then later on down the line you'll be like oh yeah that's it helps cool. you remember it as well because you've and, written it down and the players will love it so do, like, all you need to do is anything. really big shit just quickly scroll it down three words Condense so you can remember it. what yeah, it was that's absolutely. it absolutely uh, next one is quite an interesting one actually it comes from from Antonia Custance Baker oh, that's, that's a new thing hello welcome and a woman as well yeah. Hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why we don't have any female listeners. Right. After many years of training, I have schooled myself in responding with impressed awe when a ga- gamer describes killing a dragon. It's a bit of plastic. Or meeting a celebrity. It's the GM putting on a funny voice. With the result uh, <laughs> with the result that many of my dear friends and loved ones genuinely think civilians are actually interested in their tales. <laughs> How do I get them to stop interrupting conversations with other non-gamers, inflicting their mind-numbingly tedious anecdotes about events which didn't fucking happen? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny because um, I do know Antonia in real life. Oh right! And her husband's a big gamer, so you yeah. can see where this rage comes from. <laughs> he's obviously he's obviously always always rabbiting onto her. Um, to be fair, I think what it is among RPG circles, there, there's um, there's a certain type of person um, that 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 they love to regale people with stories. And if you're with other RPG players, you often just want to tell them. And I'm guilty of it. Mm. The way we got around it was starting a podcast and then talking about it during the first <laughs> Through segment. Through each other, who care? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then the, the, the people that are still entertained do do like them. But then yeah. um, we also say that, you know, our campaign stories are good ways to learn things from people. Yeah. 
So I guess one way to do it would be change your perspective and see it as a way to learn from other people, but then they are really fucking boring a lot of the time. Mm. I remember one of our players that's currently in our game, and I won't mention it who it is, he told us about this brilliant moment that happened in Call of Cthulhu where I was in an empty room, right? But I rolled so well on hide, I hid in an empty room. And I was like, that is A, quite a stupid story. And B, it also means the GM really wasn't doing his job well. He should have just said, right, that's that's near impossible. I mean, you could hide in a shadow maybe, but that was so dumb. <laughs> and I hear stories about this all the time. And I, I, the way you, I guess the only way you can get around it is change the subject it's a tough one isn't it because <sighs> they will carry on though yeah and everyone, let's, let's everybody be... thinks their RPG stories are so funny yeah they're not most of the time yeah and, and let's be honest let's be honest like a lot of the gaming population have low social skills and are probably autistic <laughs> and as a result they don't pick up on the social cues when you're like um, like they'll be like, so my character, right? It'd been three months since uh, since our last encounter, and blah 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 and blah. And then and you just go, oh yeah yeah. Speaking of that, have you seen that new um, TV show on Netflix? And they'll be like, yeah yeah. But anyway, back to the thing. And this it's happened, like, and it's like, oh god, it's like me coming home from a game, and like my wife will uh, ask me how it went, just out of you know kindness, and then I actually start telling her, it's like, no, I don't care. Like, yeah yeah. <laughs> I, I I it's only when I get really good ones do I tell my wife. Yeah, but more often than not, she goes, how did it go? I go, yeah, it's alright. But realistically, I want to go, oh, it's amazing. Oh, oh, it's god. Amazing. And you can never beat a well-timed toilet break. Yeah. Midway through, they're talking, just go, oh, sorry, I'm just going to go to the loo. Go for a piss. And when you come back, speak to someone else. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Yeah, there you go. Avoidance is key. Yeah. Uh, Avoid. Thank you very much, and welcome, Antonio. Yes, hello. Good. Right, Owen Lean, he comes in. He says, dear three Ts, I love gaming, but sometimes I feel I should stop for a few moments and do something productive with my life. Does this mean I have a low sperm count? (laughs) I'm going to ignore that last comment. No, you've got two kids. You definitely haven't. Yes, exactly. Um, I I don't know, man. Sometimes I I feel about it like this, but I feel my main thing is is that also takes a change of perspective. If you're doing anything that makes you happy and it isn't yeah. hurting anyone, that productive. is productive. Absolutely, that is productive. And uh, you know, define productive. You know, if you for me, I got you know, being at work's productive, I guess. And then when I'm not. My own time is still productive, but it's yeah, productive because it's, for me. it's towards your own happiness, and, your own sanity. And mental health. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I feel as if these these games are a very, very good escape, and they help with a lot of problems yeah, in oh life. Yeah. So it oh definitely yeah. is productive. One hundred percent. Yeah, okay, so yeah, definitely. It's not really the answer you wanted, but if you feel like taking away from gaming for a little bit. Just read a book. Yeah, and then you'll get loads of game ideas. Want to go? Right <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I find that man. I'm 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 currently reading uh, Pillars of the Earth, really? uh, old book by Ken Follett, and um, throughout it, I often just pause for a minute and think about how can I do that in a game. Quickly write note down. And now this book has taken me like a century to read. And do you know what? It's weird though because once you've got into the hobby, I think it, it, it kind of changes your outlook forever. Because I can't watch a film now without going plot hook. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, all the time. Yeah, it's it's really it's actually quite annoying sometimes. because yeah. like I, I find that yeah I'm constantly just enjoy it, man. About that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Matthew Jones, he says, how do you get people to like you Ooh. simply for the purpose of gaming? They can't fuck right off otherwise. <laughs> Like- See, I've I've met Matt, and I I know that that that's probably a problem he has because he is a deeply unlikable person. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's he's nice, really. He's lovely. He's a bit weird though. Um, but uh, yeah. So if you want to get people to like you for the purposes of gaming, I mean, I don't fucking know. Run a good game, I guess. <laughs> 
the thing is, I, I guess if you want people to get on board with your games, and what, and this is how I'm choosing to interpret the question. Yeah. If you want people to get on board with your games and stay loyal to your game, you you have to make a good game that all of them like. That does, and that means not always running what you want to run. No. If, and, if anything, not running what you want to run a lot of the time. Because a lot of times, like I often try and do a serious game, and it'll go completely off the rails. And like you just have to accept that's what your players want. But those games can keep... be great because if the subject matter is serious, but the um, conversations are silly, sometimes you'll get a really good balance. Yeah, because it's almost like the comic relief in an otherwise dark horrible game. world. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I would say. I don't know it's a hard one isn't it because I also we're in that, that really lucky position where we've got a great group that are all friends and we're all friends and you know keep it fresh keep it fresh as well that's another good one yeah and always of keep evolving I mean if we could flash back four years to your original game on yeah. just maps drawn on, on graphed paper to now you know you're always evolving you're additionally always I think that my games are a lot more uh, coherent nowadays than they were back then but um, yeah I just think I've got nothing to compare it to so it's all good mate good point <laughs> fucking uh, yeah I mean I, I do think that, that having people like you or your games or your style is important yeah but it's not as important as getting getting a bunch of good players I think it's more down to if you want people to hang around you need people that are going to be committed yeah and things like this so I mean not, I would honestly say our group we love the gaming but it's almost part it's partly 50-50 because we just like to meet up and have a get together as well yeah so to the, 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 the yeah the thing about it is is that, uh, that when we game the game is the important thing yeah. and then on the breaks we have a little chat but we also feel like we never see each other because all we do is see each other at the game yeah, and, and the game is the yeah, focus. So yeah. what we do often is we'll meet up outside of yeah, the game and shit. Yeah. So maybe, I don't know, that might be a good thing as well. If you've got a bunch of new players and you don't know them and you've just started a game at your friendly game store, yeah. go, go do out a for social, a drink. Do a social event. Yeah, go, go for, for a, a drink beer. Or and also that might be a prime time to actually get some ideas of get a flavour of what your guys like. So like and don't like, yeah. If you're playing a game currently and then you'll go have a break and have an evening where you're having a few beers and a chat and it all, it all comes to, you know, it, it, it turns out that they all like horror. Then you know well, you've got an idea for the next game. Actually, because that that happened once when we played uh, Bubblegum Crisis immediately after Vampire, neither yeah. of which really use a grid to play. Yeah. And um, we were out, you and I are out for a drink, and you're like, I don't mind theatre of mind, but I'd really like to get back to battle maps. And yeah. I was like, All right, good. Yeah. It's because we chatted outside of the game yeah. that I was able to do that. And it was so much fun. Yeah. And it, it keeps everyone engaged and keeps them wanting to play. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. I think he was being silly, but we've answered it quite well. There you go. Skillet Audio, yes, who's a Twitter user. I actually put the question on Twitter for yeah, once. Yeah, I saw. Yeah, I run games that don't have a lot of pre-made scenarios, but never seem to come up with my own ideas that are this, uh, like for example, this one cool scene. It tends to fall apart when trying to make a full session work and comes off as a bit of a letdown. Ideas on planning a full one shot from scratch. Easy, easy. Plagiarism. Plagiarism. <laughs> That's the number one technique for all DMs. Yeah. Um, if you find that you, so, so he says he's got a lot of pre-made scenarios but he wants these really big cool moments to happen begin middle and end yeah beginning middle and end just cut your uh, my, my planning for one shots is I do five scenes five scenes with yeah. one of them that could potentially be cut if if others don't go particularly well and also well. The, uh, the room for a dramatic task if there's time you often do yeah speaking to your mic man sorry yeah but, um, yeah so yeah and room for like a couple of really big moments mm-hmm. if you want players to have really really cool last moments uh, as well uh, as as you uh, orchestrate cool moments have um, have them like when you describe their actions after they've done something cool have it be really badass and something mm-hmm. you know that player will like yeah, yeah so yeah. for example if they roll 10 over the target number just say to them right you flip over and you you slash this goblin right in the eye or yeah, when if yeah. they're unlocking the door <clears throat> it's like you you basically barely wave your hand over the door and it's and it's open it's use sound badass. effects as well use sound effects of your mouth <laughs> yeah 
Ching. Um, that was funny because in our APs, Nick always used to do that. Oh, I'm a nightmare. It'd be, it. it'd be like, I get my axes out. Ching. Ching. <laughs> That's a classic. That. So bad for that. Do you have any idea? What, what, how do you plan one shots? Uh, yeah, so I, have, so I have my. I get my idea from normally, like I said, plagiarism, nick it from watch a TV show or, or whatever, get an idea, and then I'm the same. So I'll set up my main scenes that, I, that have to be in the game. Um, and that's the main thing as long as I've got the main parts planned I tried to you see like in a normal campaign travelling can be a big deal stuff like cut yeah. all that unnecessary stuff out that's all we're Just doing in D&D keep it man. fresh yeah. keep it big cut Get anything boring points. and simulationist out yeah. if you want cool moments for one do shots. that yeah, yeah for one shots definitely um, and also interludes interludes yeah get the players around a fire at some point yeah. and let them tell stories about yeah. their characters yeah. and, and then you can it. find that would be a cool moment it's not like a big dramatic one but it's like Flashbacks are fun as well. Yeah. They make things pretty epic. Just throw a flashback in there for no particular yep. reason. That keep, that, that, that's I also good. say, if you're running a long campaign, plan each episode like a one-shot. Yes. Even if it's one big arc. Like, for example, in Vampire, they were investigating people that were killing vampires. Yeah, right? yeah. And so there was one where they'd heard that... The, because, because vampires, they often... Um, uh, like bring in people that are, are great artists and things mm-hmm, like this mm-hmm. they'd heard that uh, as soon as these vampires started going down that Ramstein uh, were in town at the same time <laughs> yeah. so the, uh, they they reckon that, that for some reason somebody's childed in Ramstein and that they might be responsible <laughs> so that particular session is about getting into a gig and getting access to a very high profile band yeah next one they find out they, they at the end of it um, they found out that Ramstein weren't responsible but one of them who was a vampire had been killed and fleeing from the scene they see somebody escaping using grappling hooks and things like this yep. suddenly they've got another lead the mm-hmm. next session is another one shot all about trying to track down this one person yep. and try and try and try and if you're doing if you want to keep it really exciting I know it's not always possible but try to try to leave each episode on the cliffhanger yeah oh definitely it's it's hard even if it means ending the session like 20 minutes early yeah yeah because otherwise yeah. you'll get to it's a really big moment where everyone's like oh and it's like right now uh, we've got a roll for traveling yeah. yeah or whatever roll for traveling through the wilderness day. or whatever yeah cause... and also if you can and you've got a, a steady group or whatever hype up in between sessions talk about what happens keep the hype going yeah have a group have a whatsapp group yeah. or a facebook group yep yeah yeah that, that'll totally get people because sometimes you find that in the game it can be as simple as oh, you chop the goblin's head off and then when people start, start to embellish the story and they see it as a story after the mm-hmm, game mm-hmm. Um, details will become more epic yeah as you remember it becomes folklore people might find a cool picture that represents what happened in the game you post it on you the love group, doing that man you used to post it, pictures of your I weapons love and stuff. it yeah love it um, final one comes in from Lewis Pineda and it's more of a general question for okay. us but a bloody good one it's one we've answered before but I think that our answers would have evolved mm-hmm. so so this will be a few questions he says because I've games with different groups and every group has their own food culture Ooh. what do you guys bring to the table when it comes to food and drink what's always there and what's the special treat Ooh. He says, my, my regular group is split on one particular breakfast food, and while it doesn't get heated, we never agree where to go after a game for food, so instead we get pizza. Ooh. Waffles, pants, cakes, French toast, or crepes. <sighs> so we get to the waffles and pancakes shit. But, um, yeah, food and drink. Sadly, because I'm often lugging so much shit to a game, I, I don't... I rarely actually end up buying food. Everyone Unless you're else hosting, does. you put the snacks on. Yeah, and uh, the other week, one I've discovered recently, white Twixes. I bought Ooh. a couple of packs of them. They were so Moorish. James put them on my little turntable terrain. Oh my god! I'm, yeah. I'm spinning it around, <laughs> dishing them out to everyone. What's a regular uh, jelly sweets? Where I always brings the jelly sweets. Yeah, they like um, well. round trees, squishies. Squishies. Yeah. Those are the fucking best, man. Yeah, they are good. I had a cat in mine last week, uh, Thursday, didn't I? That was weird. <laughs> yeah, was Nick weird, got yeah. one of these chewy sweets out, and it had, it had like a little indent, and it looks exactly like a cat yeah, really weird. did you post that on Not mildly yet. interesting I'm, I'm going yeah. I'm going to um, we, crisps is another one as well like yeah. Americans you guys call them chips, chips. yeah no diplo messy 
Yeah, Sean likes to bring the dip, but it's messy. Uh, yeah, but fucking Sean, man. He, my brother, <laughs> he always brings like because you can get really good tortilla tier chips for like cheap as fuck from yeah, Sainsbury's, yeah, yeah. like twenty five p, and then some nice dip to go with it. And he'll always like scoop a shitload of dip onto the fucking tortilla chip. And then I always notice every time we're gathering in the sheets at the end of the session, his is, oh, stains all over it. <laughs> it's fucking gross, man. It's a nightmare. But yeah, it's it's it's, it's weird because sometimes we're over by it's I'm, no every every week once a week one week we'll have uh, no buys anything because they assume everyone's going to buy loads yep, of shit yep. and then the next week everyone buys loads of shit and the table you can't move you can't for move. snacks in there yeah. every time I need to put a map down I'm like can everyone move, can move these... all this shit out of the way yeah we eat like pigs um, a, a very good one uh, recently is you know those big bags of cookies you can get from like the bakery yeah yeah those always yeah, go down well yeah. the giant shortbreads yeah we love them we love them giant the shortbread ones anything really I guess it's um as Which it's not really a dip, so it's always snackage though. So we won't game and then have dinner after because we game till eleven thirty. Yeah, I played in a, a group for a while where the where the host cooked dinner before, but nah, it just it, it, it was very very nice. But it, I would rather get straight to the game yeah, or too. just eat as as you as gaming, you play. Yeah, because that's the thing as well. Even when someone brings a pizza, it does it, it does slow, slow down the game because cooking and stuff. They're yeah. offering slices around. They have to use the oven. Yeah, my, exactly. yeah. Ryan the other day couldn't figure out how to use my oven and then poisoned his own pizza with hot sauce. <laughs> that was so stupid. <laughs> what happened was Ryan was. Ryan was at the game and he said he got the pizza out and he's, he he doesn't like spice I'm not sure why the fuck he asked but he goes Harrison have you got any hot sauce and one of my favourite hot, hot sauce though just hot yeah just you know Tabasco or something <laughs> yeah. but I said I've got this and it says uh, I said it's very mild like yeah. joking obviously because yeah. it's Encona it's this brand and they it's make spicy. this yeah. really hot like yeah scorpion pepper fucking things yeah. and he, I go it's mild mate he says he goes it says extra hot in the tin and he was shaking it like where he's, he's put the bottle horizontal and he's shaking it right and trying to get just a little bit Flicking to come out. Bit out but it's quite thick so I said to him right you can need to tilt it a little bit and he tilts it up 90 fucking degrees and obviously it just blobs <laughs> right in the middle of the pizza and he's it. spreading it out over a spoon and he's like I can't believe you fucked me over like this Harrison I'm like you're the one who just poured it all over the pizza I ate it for him mate good shit yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah we all got to have a few more slices of pizza because <laughs> yeah, exactly. he poisoned it but no um, I like That's, that Lewis has breakfast though they must get up early to game Look, yeah I guess falls, so French toast I've never had French toast so as for drinks though, at the table we all just bring our own usually I mean because Nick you like to have one beer I have you one beer drive. I'm driving yeah and then I'll just have water or whatever yeah. James James, uh, who, who used to be a host on this show he um has he bring? He's got. He's just gone into box wine. Oh my god! He drank like, a box like of wine. Filthy Sainsbury's own box. I'd wine. rather him take it out of the box and just drink a bladder of wine. You that know, would be like that would foil be foil bladder. Yeah, and it's just funny because he's just like fuck. You can get two liters for a fiver. I'm like, that's they'll <laughs> give you a fucking headache. Cheaper, mate. But yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't drink it. <laughs> Actually, though, I will say this: we did have a night recently where we both got one of those boxes and got munted on it, and it was okay. But mm. it's it's five pound two liter box wine. Wow. I mean, yeah, fair play. Um, so his final question he says waffles pancakes french toast or crepes ooh wowzers that's a tough one I haven't had french toast or maybe I have but I can't remember um, eggy I... bread man we call it eggy bread Egg- in this country eggy, but they put cinnamon on it right yeah so yeah. it's just eggy bread with cinnamon it's sweet sugar. rather than yeah. eggy bread yeah uh, well eggy bread's always good uh, waffles pancakes or crepes oh I'm a big crepe lover with Nutella and banana inside <laughs> see I just think a crepe I know this is bad and and blasphemous, but I think a crepe is like a shit pancake. I like a to be flat pancake. I like them American thick and fluffy. Fa- yeah, yeah American that's because I do love an American pancake. You know, we well, no, actually pancake, what we call them in this country, we call them Scotch pancakes. Scotch, yeah, we, well, yeah, that is weird, isn't it? We do call them Scotch pancakes because we have you know pancake day and and that. But then you look at our pancakes. Yeah, our pancakes. We, it should be crepe day. Crepe day. Yeah, and we just put lemon on it. Yeah, lemon and sugar. Yeah. And um, yeah, so for me, crepes are a big no. I'll have one if it's going. 
Give um, me a fluffy pancake with maple syrup on top. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Oh, but waffles are the fucking best, man, because it's like it's because of the divots. Dutch you know when you waffles. put syrup in oh, it and you get this big blob of like and then butter as nice well. But oh. yes, oh, it's the fucking best, man. Oh, I can eat that all day. Right, I'm gonna bring them to the next game now. Yes, <laughs> but I'm saying that the one I mostly have is French toast, man. If ever I've got eggs and bread in the house, I'm always making French Eggie toast. Bread. It's oh, the fucking best, yeah. especially for a hangover. But no, but we call fr- no. Hold on, because we call French toast here is just deep fried because we have eggy breads and then we but, have deep but, fried slice, don't we? Which is just literally a piece of bread that's fried. Yeah, and you can get French toast, which isn't French toast at all, in a box from Sainsbury's, and it's this crunchy bread. It's, yeah, it's like, almost like a cracker. Yeah, it's yeah. like a cracker. Yeah. yeah. So we messed up. We've got very warped sense of breakfast here. Yeah. But what's your go-to breakfast on a daily? I know this wasn't what you asked. Was a I'm kid. Just, I'm interested. No, like now. Oh no, I don't really eat breakfast much now. I mean, I'll have a, a porridge. Really, is the only thing I eat for breakfast. Now. Same here. Yeah, I love as a kid, Lucky Charms. That's why I got no teeth. <laughs> Fucking oh, mate. That's the, that's the trouble. Whenever when I whenever I go to America, my mum she she is like she lives there. By yeah. the way, listen. Yeah. She um is so like such a great like host, right? So I remember once I was getting up for breakfast, and I'm like obviously getting old. I'm trying not to gain loads of weight. <laughs> she gave me Reese's Puff cereal, oh my God. and it's it's like just pure sugar. It was so <laughs> oh fucking tasty. My God. Uh, but she loves to please, so she'll yeah. be like giving me loads and loads of shit, and I was like. I, I said, I'll oh, just have some cereal this morning, mum. And she's like, okay, you have that to start. Big bowl of cereal. And then she's like, do you want waffles? Do you want some Eggos? And I'm like, yeah. Eggos? Have you tried an Eggo? Yeah, yeah. She, what they're is her an Eggo? Favorite. It's just I, a I mean, I know it from, obviously. It's just a waffle, Is that man. all it is? Yeah, yeah. But yeah. they're frozen. You put them in the toaster. Oh, my God. Yeah, so I, I had... Um, What's a Hot Pocket? That is pizza sauce inside a so bread. So it's a savoury Pop-Tart. Kind of, yeah, and yeah, yeah, pretty much. Do you remember? In the, do you remember in the nineties when Pop Tarts used to be on TV, and in the advert they would pop out the toast, and the kids would just grab them and then bite into them, and then they had to ban the advert because so many kids burnt their hands. Fucking, that's so <laughs> stupid. That's so stupid. But you know, the funny thing is, is I always. Um, I, that's impossible to fucking do when my toaster pops up if you're toasting a crumpet in there because crumpets are slightly smaller than yeah. bread you, you see the stick of fork in there and then you have to turn off the toaster go through the rigmarole of getting a fork and by then your crumpets cooled down so what I do is I do the thing you know you get the punch it up punch yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> the little lever I punch try it up and then try and catch it as it comes out burn your hand <laughs> I always do this like like my hand so I'm just imagine I'm doing like a beak motion with my hand I'm doing it really fast and then when the crumpet comes in I try to stop yeah yeah <laughs> there you go that's our breakfast rituals. that's breakfast chat yeah chat alright so let's do an award winning outro oh, shall God, we yeah. but before we do I just want to say thanks for all that correspondence those are good ones this, mm. this week this year this year alright so outro time my main goal is to blow up and then act like I don't know nobody. <laughs> Apparently nobody listens to these, so if there's any deeply seeded racist views you want to get out now... Do them now, because I'm listening to them. <laughs> yeah. Um, so first off, uh, what I want to do is I men- mention a couple of shows that are on the network that we're on, Nerds International. Yeah. I want to talk about the... Gather- uh, not the gathering, the brewery. I mistakenly called it The Gathering because it used to be The Gathering of Dorks then it was the RPG Brewery now it's The Brewery Mm. so go listen to that it's a round table discussion about nerd culture featuring Jamie Pearson who is the ultimate contrarian he hates everything you like (laughs) Um, I also want to promote the fresh podcast of Bel Air yeah this is a new new, new podcast that's on the network it's uh, by me and my brother and we review every episode of the Fresh Prince of Bel Air ever and it's good Really yeah, good. you've listened to I it. You liked it. it. Yeah, I did enjoy it. It's very funny. We've got segments such as Uncle Phil's mailbag, <laughs> the fresh facts, the fresh facts, 
Yeah, and my brother said on the on the first episode, you can't tame Will Smith. You can't so tame Will Smith. You've got that to look I've been spun to. around once. <laughs> yeah, he's spun around answer. in a basketball court. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, if you if even if you don't like Fresh Prince and you just want to witness the struggle of trying to get through that whole series one episode at a time, have a giggle, then, yeah. Have a it's very good. Fresh very podcast of Bel Air. It's very good. Um, also, Savage Con is coming up. We mentioned Ooh. that at the beginning of the show, uh, April eighteenth, Red Hill in the Toby Carvery, a yep. whole day of gaming. Um, the following day, I'm gonna have people around my house Neat to hope. play games. So if if you want to get yeah, on that, then please do come and meet us. We got prizes. We got the best GMs in the world. Yeah. So yeah, come along and last. Lastly, Tough Guys is out, a uh, supplement written by me and Nick for yeah. Wise Guys to make it into a London gangster mm-hmm. game. Oh, God, this outro, man. Um, <laughs> yeah, so if you want to support the show, buy 78 Hamlet Happenings on DriveThruRPG. That is our OSL our product for uh, random town events. Yeah. And also support us on Patreon. Yeah, go over to Patreon, chuck us a buck, and you will be immortalised in our actual place. Yes, and you can email us at 3TRPGpod at gmail.com or find us on the social medias. That was way too long. Thank you very much. Right, well, thank you for listening to the episode. Thanks for bringing Cypher System to the table. That was fun. And anybody out there, if you've tried Cypher, please tell me. And if I fucked it all up and got it all wrong, also please let me know. (laughs) Uh, Don't. Don't bother. (laughs) We don't want to hear it. We don't want it. Okay, so that was another episode. I've been Harrison Hunt. I've been Nick Lambslice. And remember that D20s are cool, but 20Ds, now that's a good time. Oh, yeah. Goodbye. Later.